Bail us out. The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gonz as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is December 21st, 2020, and this is episode 279. And today, Artificial Christ. And today, I am not the end of the world, but I am your best buddy, Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to the podcast where we praise the real Jesus while reporting the egregious with a well-rounded, biblically grounded take on world events. Uh, There's somebody in the chat, Faye Liverin. You guys, anything but a one-eyed Jesus, it's an artificial Jesus. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. That's the thing with the show art. I know. You gotta gotta listen to the show to know what the show art's about. But, Gons, we're here on December 21st, the... uh, the alternate coming of Quetzalcoatl, and so far, no feathered serpents. No feathered serpents yet, but we, we, we're at least in the West here. We haven't experienced evening yet, and tonight mm. is the great Christmas star, Jupiter and Saturn, come closer than they have oh, in centuries. Yeah. So look star for that. Star of Bethlehem. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know okay. if that's what that is, but... Uh, certainly it's supposed to be bright in the sky. I've seen it get closer and closer in the night sky. Mm-hmm. And so there it is. We'll see it. And, uh, if you stare into it and count to 33, I guess you get a Ascension upgrade or something. <laughs> ascension upgrade. You upgrade. Oh man. To a we should have made some, uh, Ascension robes for <laughs> People who are into that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. What is it today? Oh, yeah. It's Monday. Well, anything exciting going on in your life? Anything to report? No, other than finishing the Mandalorian series as entertainment, Mm. but also I try to not dig too deep into all the symbolism that happens on shows like that. There are certainly things in there. Uh, But yeah, I'm not going to break that down here on this show. But, uh, yeah, that that last episode was pretty intense. Okay, a lot of yeah, people, a lot of I, people crying on the internet. <laughs> I know. I'm trying so hard to stay away from spoilers, and I realize it's my fault. I've not been keeping up, um, so I started uh, watching it again. I'm on the third third episode of the second season, and it does get better. That first episode did not quite. Uh, deliver the promises that I was that I was expecting, but it's getting better and better. Soon, I will know all the fun spoilers, and then I can spoil it. Yeah, people asking or saying, yeah, "Wow, you watch that?" Yeah, um, yeah, I don't really watch. If you have been listening long enough to Canary Cry News Talk, I don't spend time watching anything, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I decided to check it out and. There you go. I mean, I don't yeah. watch a whole lot of other things. It's okay, so. Guns. It's okay. You mean um, you don't like sit to- quietly all by yourself in your house <laughs> and, you know, read nothing but the first couple pages of the Bible and, and meditate <laughs> on it? Fir- the first couple. Just the first couple pages. Uh, and the last yeah. couple. Well, it's good to keep an eye on what the, the messaging coming through is, you know. It's how yeah. else are we supposed to 
stay posted. Well, I have nothing really else to report except for those who are uh, worried about uh, my my uh, my muscle gain. I <laughs> did five out of seven days last week. So oh, good job. Not as good as the week before, but I'm keeping on it. Are you uh, got these? What are you getting? Are you getting swole or? Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting pretty swole, man. Nice. Now the problem is I'm I'm getting swole, but I still have that layer of pizza wrapped around my body. Mm. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm thinking I can just uh, <laughs> keep <laughs> just keep working at it, and uh, you know the, the 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 inner the inner swoleness will eventually make it to <laughs> make it to the outer layer. Yeah, it's mostly due to diet. With a lot of that stuff, it's not. I how hard know, you work and that's out, the but, least know. fun part. I know, I know. Got to keep that. Got to stay in the calorie surplus, baby. Yeah, keep keep that muscle growth. But other than that, um, what do you got? Any any election uh, news yeah. or anything? Nothing really exciting. Nothing really. Huh? There was that big secret meeting that everybody is freaking out about. Where again, the idea was floated for uh, martial law. I think Michael Flynn is a big proponent of the martial law and i will say on the social medias i just like to keep an eye on everybody the uh the fervor in in favor of martial law just keeps getting more intense more and more intense people are just so down for the martial law and no not the not the militant liberals, but the conservatives, which is really I still have not really wrapped my mind around the fact that conservatives are now uh, proponents of martial law. It's just um, yeah. The the thing that really bothers me is that there's a lot of people saying we need to suspend the Constitution. It's like, hello, mm. what do you think has been happening for the last like 40 years? <laughs> it's yeah, it's been, been officially suspended for a while. They've been trying to, they've been watering it down or not just watering it down, but like trampling it more and more and more. 9-11 mm. was a big step forward in that regard. Right. And now we see the situation where people are like, hey, we need to suspend the constitution to save the constitution. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are you talking? What what has happened to people's brains where, uh, uh, yeah. and, and actually Melissa from uh, truth stream media. Thank you, Melissa for quoting my tweet in uh, her latest video, but she talked about cult and cult mm, mentality. Yeah. And the, basically what she's saying is with, you know, calling out the conservatives and even the Christians, a lot of Christians out there saying like, Hey, you guys are, like you, you guys are losing objectivity here. You're losing, you're, you're falling into cult mentality. Right. And, well, uh, that's what it is. They're being activated for a political purpose, yes, you know, yes. and it's, it's spooky to see people turning on their, what I, what I thought were fundamental values yeah. of conservatism, you know, small, small governments, uh, the least amount of uh, federal action that can possibly be taken. And um, yeah, there's, there's this weird little switcheroo. I mean, I've been saying it for a, at least a month or more now, but uh, it just keeps getting more intense. And unfortunately, people that I love and respect have been sort of switching over to the dark side of martial law and it's making things very complicated. Well, you, you know, what else is strange is that, you know, I had people message me about the whole martial law idea and there was a, 
uh, you know, some Twitter stuff, social media stuff, people coming out saying like, oh, the certain the swing states are going to lock down and we're going to, you know, go down in history as the greatest moment, blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. Trump tweeted out martial law equals fake news or something. He basically mm-hmm. said like, that's all fake news just right. because the mainstream media was picking up on it. And so yeah. it's, it's like this double cross mix up. Well, switcheroo. Maybe it is. The whole thing is like that. It's it, just weird. Maybe it is a sort of liberal psyop to get uh, conservatives super pumped on, uh, <laughs> on martial law. Like that makes more sense to me than a bunch of staunch conservatives suddenly begging the federal government to, uh, you know, to, to, to militarize the police force. You know, you're, you know. know you've gone too far when Trump is like, settle down, martial law is fake news. <laughs> when Trump is telling you to settle down, you have oh, crossed some man. sort of line. Yeah, and the other part that I, I've been kind of keeping an eye, which just as a side note type thing, I'm not really spending too much time on it, but I noticed that the last QAnon post was on December 8th and it was mm-hmm. a link to a video of uh, like a music video for uh, what was it here? Uh, I don't want to play it cause it's got the copyright issue here, but mm-hmm. something about like we've had enough or something. We're not going to take right. it. Something like that. And it was just kind of, okay, all right. We're that's your salvo take is a music video <laughs> about how we're not going to take it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good job, Q. Dento Bean in the Twitch chat says left and right are in a current state of Ouroboros confusion. That's and that's, that's a, really that's true. That's a pretty good way to describe you it. Know gonna, you, you know what's gonna you know what's gonna trip people out in the next few years if this happens. Uh I've seen Tulsi Gabbard really push uh some libertarian type of things from the Democrat. Mm-hmm. She's a Democrat, you know. So if she right. becomes popular, what's gonna happen to all these right wing conservative people that have trapped themselves? Within that context, if Tulsi Gabbard we, starts saying things that they like, you know, it's going to mess everybody up. We are in the midst up. of another switcheroo. Another much swing like, of the pendulum. Much like the switcheroo that happened in the mid, uh, mid-20th century. Yep. Uh, that switcherooed Republicans and Democrats. It feels like we are on the midst of one of those as well. Yeah. And um, one last mm, thing about that. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of weaponizing conservative or weaponizing Christians for mm-hmm. a militant or some kind of uh, uprising politically is a very old thing. Uh, they did that in uh, Truman did that in like the fifties. The actual documentation was we're going to launch a psychological, uh, not, I can't remember if he said warfare or he definitely used the word psychological uh, in discussing how to get Christians to buy into war, buy into, to a militant, type of thing to combat communism. And so this has been done before the whole evangelical movement that spurred out of that, the, the, you know, this might upset people, but like the whole Billy Graham movement. And a lot of that was right. uh, uh, something that the government spun off <laughs> and created mm-hmm. as a means to quote unquote fight communism. So right. not that, you know, not that official documentation, official documentation saying that. So, this is uh, I feel like the, the same tactics are being used to get people riled up now. And, and again, this is one of those nuance issues because we're not sitting here saying, oh, yeah, therefore we're, we're getting paid by China and we're, we're <laughs> all about the China. We're not. But if you're going to be a constitutionalist in the political sense, then there are boundaries that you shouldn't cross on either side of the aisle. 
And uh, yeah, that's why I'm not a registered Republican or a registered Democrat. I don't think you are either, right, Basil? Mm-mm. Unless you, unless there's secrets that I don't know about. <laughs> I'm just a Democrat operative. <laughs> All the conspiracy theories are true. I'm a Democratic Republican. I'm a Hillary bot. <laughs> All right. So anyway, that's just a short rant on all the political stuff going on. And uh, yes. And before we get into the flippy update here, I do want to mention Gans, very fun thing in our uh, Canarians who are also no agenda members might have heard that uh, two, I believe it was two episodes ago or last episode. 1304. Yeah. Yes. uh, Somebody gave us a shout out on uh, a no agenda meetup uh report yeah so i'm not sure who it was but thank you very much it was cool to hear uh that happened okay wait somebody i have hmm. the clip now okay you think it's somebody uh, that you know or well maybe maybe so i was trying to figure it out i couldn't quite hear the name that the person mentions so it, whoever did this thank you very much um it sounded like uh one of the guys i met when i went to a no agenda meetup um and I thought maybe it was him, but I don't know. We're trying to figure it out. And that was uh, Sir Lily of the Valley, or I think he's Baron Lily of the ba- Lily of the Valley, over from the No Agenda ra- Roundtable of Knights and Dames. Um, but he says some other name that I'm not quite sure about, so I don't know who it was. But why don't you just play the clip? Over Rainbow for a Canary Cry new song. Elder hey. Rainbow. Elder Rainbow. I'll play it again. Okay. Over rainbow for a canary cry new song. Albert Rainbow. Over the rainbow. Over the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure who it was, but if you're listening, whoever that was, thank you very much. Yeah. That was a it was a delightful little surprise while listening to that uh, listen to that episode. Covert Rainbow. That's a possibility. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, but cool. Yeah. Hey, anybody out there? If you get a chance, mention the show as much as you can. It's not only good for spreading the show, but it's a delightful little surprise to hear. Yes, especially um, since and, uh, it feels like Adam has either not gotten my emails or just decided. He's, well, he's a he's a big time guy, you you're, know. You're too small. You're, uh, no, you're, you're, no, uh, I don't think yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> you know, it's hard for us to keep up with know, our emails, and we, we are significantly less uh, popular than than he is. But one of these days, we'll get in contact with him. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, whoever whoever that was, if you want, send us a little email so we can thank you. Yes. Okay, I think it's time for a flippy update. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? Okay, folks, if you're new to the show, Flippy is the colloquial name for the disembodied arm. Oh, man. Robot arm. This, yes. The, the weekend. The colloquial name for the disembodied robot arms uh, that are taking our jobs, enslaving our children, and flirting with our spouses. We use talking about Flippy as a proxy conversation to uh, explore how robots are taking over the world, and there's nothing we can do about it. Today, I'm taking an article from digitaltrends.com, and the headline is The Future of Military Training? Target Practice on Running Shrieking Robots. (laughs) Oh, man. See, even the military is training to destroy robots but let's uh, hear what they have to say 
You don't have to be a firearms expert to know that the shooting range isn't a perfect stand-in for what it's like to be in a real firefight. Unless you happen to find yourself in a shootout with a group of enemy mannequins or two-dimensional cutouts with their vital organs helpfully labeled, shooting ranges are simplified abstractions that don't bear much resemblance to real-life warfare. It just became the tech... It just... But just because the technology hasn't previously existed doesn't mean that's the case anymore. Here in 2020, with autonomous robots getting better all the time, a company called Marathon Targets has created a solution. And it's and it's one the Terminator-style sentient robots, when they finally arrive, probably aren't going to like. Quote, combat is the worst place to practice a life or death skill for the very first time, especially when those targets are shooting real bullets back at you. Ralph Petroff, president of the North America branch of Marathon Targets, told Digital Trends, quote, it violates the time-honored principle to always ensure that you have extensively trained critical skills before being sent to combat. Currently, unless they have trained with autonomous robots, shooters are sent into combat without ever having shot at a realistic moving target, a fundamental training deficiency with deadly consequences. Marathon's autonomous robots are intended to act as target practice for military forces and police. The wheeled robots, which resemble store mannequins on heavy-duty segways, don't just stand still and calmly accept what other caliber fate comes their way. If one robot is hit, the ones around it will scatter, run, well, roll for cover, or even self-organize a counterattack. Quote, the autonomous targets have features in common with self-driving cars, uh, LIDAR for navigation and collision avoidance, plus speakers that simulate speech or military sound effects like gunshots. Petrov continued, quote, they can even curse at you in 57 different dialects, which is just <laughs> a delightful feature. The robots can act as either an enemy force or as civilian bystanders or hostages used as human shields. Their highly efficient electric engines and batteries can propel 500-pound robots at human-running speed. They will flinch and grunt when wounded and even shriek and fall when killed. Marathon Targets built its first target robots in 2008. Twelve years and five generations later, they're still going strong. The robots are designed with puncture-proof tires and are armored with, to withstand millions of rounds of rifle and light machine gun bullets. Petrov said that this is, quote, no small feat in its own right. Marathon's robots have been used uh, by the Australian Defense Force, U.S. Department of Defense, Canadian Special Forces, the Slovenian and German armies, and assorted NATO and Middle Easter countries. I think they meant Middle Eastern, uh, but Middle Easter countries. Most recently, the U.S. Marine Corps took uh, to using the robots for its, quote, range of the future training at Camp uh, Lejuene Lejun. Uh, North Carolina. In short, Marathon's robo-targets are gaining momentum all the time, even if, as Petrov said, there's still room for even more widespread adoption. Quote, disruptive technologies always receive pushback from traditionalists, he said. Quote, these especially true of radically disruptive technologies like autonomous infantry targets. All highly disruptive military technologies have faced pushback from traditionalists, steam-powered ships, machine guns, 
guns, steel warships, airplanes, aircraft carriers, and most recently, even drones, all face significant delays in deployment because of the radical change they brought to the way things have always been done. So autonomous robots are in good company. So there you go, Gons. No longer shall uh, our troops or our Marines, at least, be trained on stationary mannequins or paper targets. We got the robots, which I, for one, am uh, happy that they're training uh, how to (laughs) shoot at the uh, robot invading forces. It's just a matter of time before the robot humanists are going to come out and say this is inhumane. Yes. And uh, they need to stop this. They need to go back to plastic targets. Hey, you you listen to me, robot <laughs> humanists. These robots like it. This is what they're built for. <laughs> yeah, they, my purpose. they enjoy being shot at. I am, I am programmed to be shot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, I don't know. It's it, it seems like they uh they look a little creepy, but they don't they don't it's only scary if they overpower, you know, if they if they become sentient yeah, what happens when they actually get to you yeah they're they're because you know they kind of roll around their heads jiggle when they ride you know they don't look too too freaky anyway yeah. um but yeah once they can shoot back at you what kind of artillery are they going to have and also yeah. how do they organize i'm <laughs> sure they're going to shoot back at you i'm sure they're going to build ai so that they are they become better and better in terms of their organization and avoiding being shot and stuff and then mm-hmm. at which point there's not going to be the line between, Hey, this is a drill and this when is full live combat. Enough? Yeah. This is full <laughs> live combat with robot. AI the targets is be, are revolting. Yeah. I mean, this is just a matter of time. So yeah, especially with just the swole, swole robots we reported on last week. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds, it, I mean, it looks kind of fun. You know, I'd like to go to a range that had these little suckers. Um, if I don't know if you played the second video further down, but it shows uh, sniper training. And when uh, a round uh, hits the ground near these robots, they <laughs> watching them scatter is uh, pretty fun. It's a little it's entertaining, at least. <laughs> they look like little Johnny number fives. Ah, slash. Run! Uh, like an R2-D2 slash C-3PO. Yes, they're not the most uh, humanoid-looking robots, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, that's it for the Flippy Update. Good job. Well, thanks. Uh, other than being called commie lovers in the chat, let's move on nice. to uh, a few different- Commie lovers, because we don't want martial law. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, and somebody mentioned- that another show had brought us up or a chat had brought us up because we don't think mm-hmm. the wax sheen is all part of the mark of the beast. I can't tell if people are being sarcastic in the chat anymore, but uh, yeah, I know it's our, it probably not. I mean, I'm sure somebody out there uh, does not like the fact that we think the vaccine is not the mark of the beast proper. It just does not meet so many biblical standards. And uh, that's what we go by. We do not base our mark of the beast um, ideas on blogs and videos and the ideas of people who are, in our opinion, being just a little bit sensational. Um, not that we are fans of the vaccine, uh, but unless I got to sign a little paper or make an oath uh, denying Jesus Christ, then it just does not match the scriptural uh, uh, requirements. Yeah, well, there's it's a that lot. Simple. There's a lot surrounding it too: the beasts and the false prophet, and 
Lots of uh, things. False Lots resurrection things. and fire coming down from the sky and an image that speaks and desires worship or be killed. Yeah. There's, There's a little bit of confusion. Some people are uh, saying that, uh, you know, they're saying Luciferes. <laughs> uh, that, well, I'll just say it's Cynthia in the YouTube. Thank you for mentioning Luciferes. But go ahead and take it. She says Luciferes is not in the vaccine. Luciferes is in the quantum dot tattoos that are not currently deployed. But yes, Luciferes and the quantum dot tattoos, I think, are actually a little bit uh, closer to what is described as the mark of the beast. But that's not what the vaccine is. The mark. But we'll keep an eye on it. The, the mark is not the image. Yes, but worship is the main point and we've discussed it over and over again right. but uh i don't know go back watch 10 years of videos of me talking about it on the channel here and you know breaking down revelation 13 and and yeah. uh yeah well we won't get sidetracked yeah, i think too much we are here. being trolled okay <laughs> some people are <laughs> insisting that luciferius is in there i'm just telling you we we've been reporting on luciferius for two years before anybody was getting crazy about it yeah um it's that's not part of the vaccine that's part of the quantum dot tattoos and you know what's crazy as i mentioned quantum dots in 2016 mm -hmm. in a video about black goo so you know yeah. it's not like no, we're I'm unaware just... of these issues or mm -hmm. that we're saying hey <laughs> go ahead and take it that's yes that's there's not a large either. body of work that you can go uh get the updates from, yeah. All um, right. So here's, yeah, uh, here's a going. here's a few brief updates. We interrupt this broadcast to give you a brief update. By the end of this timely interruption, you will be thoroughly updated. Speaking of the number of the beast here, this is mm -hmm. SpectrumNews.com. Coronavirus Texas. Texas reports record single day numbers of COVID nineteen cases. This was back on the eighteenth. And uh, it's not so much in the headline, but down here it says there are 11,230 available hospital beds in the state and 666 ICU beds. Ooh, what a convenient number. A convenient number. Texas currently has 7,475 ventilators available, which is the number uh, 7,000, seven and a half thousand is about the number of people reported to die from coronavirus, according to the CDC, if those numbers are even to be believed, under the age of 44 in the United States. So there you go. Hmm. It's, it's, okay. it's a lot, but it's not that a lot. And it's certainly not enough <laughs> to roll out uh, unproven uh, vaccines with new mRNA technology. I'll say that much. Certainly. Uh, and we can be critical heads. of all of that without saying it's it's the mark, you know? Yeah. So Well, that's the funny thing. Like when we say, and it's, it's literally happening right now in the chat, which is always fun. But just because we don't think the vaccine is the mark of the beast does not mean we think anybody should get the vaccine. I mean, that's up to you. Um, but it is still highly experimental. And there's a lot of other stuff in vaccines that uh, <laughs> a lot of people are concerned about. It's not like and we've so. been not critical of the vaccine for months on this uh, show, yeah. like calling out all yeah, kinds of usually stuff. Usually newbies, yeah, usually okay. newbies or people who come directly from watch watching a video about how it is the mark of the beast. Yeah. And they're, they're sort of in that headspace. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, let's move on though. There's a few other things uh, to update everybody on. Deadline.com vice president, Mike Pence reveals members of us space force will be called, uh, called guardians. So funny. Mar Marvel fans, James <laughs> so Gunn intense. responds. 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. They're, they're just taking all kinds of pop culture references from Star Trek, the, you know, the logo from Star Trek to <laughs> space force or to, Some uh, guardians of the galaxy, guardians of the galaxy. And you know, I, you know, what's really ridiculous is, uh, James Gunn down here tweeted out. Can we sue this dork? James, wasn't James Gunn caught up in some pedo thing too? I thought he was um, mentioned in some I stuff. I don't recall. I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, sue sue the vice president for calling it the Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the hubris of that alone. It's like you don't have a a corner on the market of of the word Guardians because it's in the name of a title of a movie you made. You know, right? The guard yeah. the word Guardians existed prior to Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, it's definitely going to take a little bit of getting used to uh, calling them guardians. And it does have a very interesting sort of. uh, uh, It's it's an NLP. Not that it's necessarily bad, but it's just kind of like, no, this is okay. What are you guarding us from? Well, there you go. That's one thing. But this is all NLP. This is neuro linguistic programming. This is like Mm -hmm. trying to get people to associate certain science fiction themes and, and things like that to the popular, like mainstream it into reality. And so, yeah, that it, it is kind of a switcheroo. They seem to be doing a lot of that. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I mean, you kind of make a good point. It should not be that surprising when predictive programming starts becoming a reality. That's what we've been watching all year. Um, And I don't know why I, I even thought for a second that it should be surprising that they would call them guardians. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, well, sorry. I just avoided it, a show burp so good, but it created a show an awkward burp, silence. I couldn't tell if it was a show burp <laughs> or if you, if you, uh, if you got, um, if you, if your connection got tied, you know, not tongue tied, oh. but the connection got a little bit messed up, but either mm. way, let's keep matter. moving. Let's keep moving on here. This is, a uh, uh, another monolith story. Where are the aliens? Yeah. Elon, where are the aliens? Oh, the monolith yeah. is back. Yeah, another, another monolith. Um, this is stuff.co.nz, New Zealand. And the headline, Aliens or Artists? Mysterious Metal Monolith Pops Up in Christ Church, the latest home to the global phenomenon. And yeah, there you go. You had California, Romania, Netherlands, or I guess California? Utah. Utah was the first one. Uh, the, then California, Romania, the Netherlands. The UK had one too. They didn't mention that one. Uh, but now you have it in Christ Church. Yeah, which that was is the one, um, Compton Beach. Compton Beach, right, with the really shiny one. The one that yeah. looked like uh, a <laughs> mirror. Really shiny one. Yeah, right. But um, one of the people at the, the location here said, quote, we have a boundary fence and none of the locks were damaged, so they would have had to carry it in. Mm, so must have been aliens. Either aliens or they're, they're bringing it down from the sky. Uh, but again... The Space Odyssey 2001 monolith represented a transition period, a quote-unquote evolution of the species. So uh, timely that they're rolling out this vaccine here, this new mRNA vaccine, and they're putting up these monoliths. Uh, It's just kind of a – and it does – you know, again, not saying it is the mark, but then, you know, the concerns about genetic manipulation, CRISPR, all those things we've been warning about for years – and if you are able to stick around to the end of the, uh, of the show, we will have uh, a couple CRISPR updates that are pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's, it is, we, we are entering this genetic age, genetic manipulation age, uh, full force. We talked about that, you know, the Chinese super soldiers, 
a couple weeks ago, which is again, nothing new, but the fact that it's hitting the mainstream and the fact that the, even if it is just an art piece, some of these may be, uh, but knowingly or unknowingly, if we're talking about the spiritual influence here, then it could be that these people, even in the, in the, uh, context of, Oh, this is just art. Uh, they're being led to do so for some reason. Yeah. And maybe they're well, mocking, and but- art uh, in, in the long history, long and well-documented history of mass occult uh, rituals, you know, art plays a very big role in it. So even if the monolith is not from the aliens and it is uh, just quote unquote, some sort of art project, it very well could still serve a ritualistic purpose for, like you said, whatever big shift everybody keeps talking about. Right, right, right. So there you go. Just keep an eye on it because it is fascinating to see. And the, the thing that was really interesting, and I mentioned it in a couple episodes ago, was I was looking at the book Ascendancy of the Scientific Dictatorship, which is, ba- I mean, mm. that describes this year, you know, the ascendancy of the scientific dictatorship. And there's a section in there right at the beginning that talks about Space Odyssey 2001 and what the monolith represented. And this book was written, I think, in like 2005 or 2006. So, uh, yep, the, the Collins brothers that wrote that seem to have been on top of things. And it's just interesting how they're using that as a playbook in our world today, 2020, some 15, yeah. 16 years later, or 14, I guess. They like to stick with the program. They do. And let's uh, move on here. Reset this. Reset this. Did you hear about the stimulus check? Oh, yes. I did a little tweet about the stimulus check. Yeah. Um, yeah, but tell me what you got first. So $600 stimulus check are in the next coronavirus aid package. Oh my gosh, well, $600. I, they should just make it $666. Or, <laughs> I mean, it's close enough. a golden opportunity. It was a golden opportunity. Or if you're going to take some of the uh, manuscripts that translate it 616, 616, uh, you'd be even closer. You know, $16 to go. But anyway, um, Good luck trying to convince the United States that we're bailing them out with a $600 check. Uh, no, after- you know, it's so crazy. And uh, I just want to mention, um, just because I think it's a helpful sort of uh, divergence to take real quick. I had a very um, cordial and f- wonderful conversation about the $600 stimulus in regards to the tweet that I tweeted. And I basically was just talking about like, You know, with the $600, it's a ridiculously small amount of money. It doesn't help much. I mean, with uh, what has it been? Six months since the first stimulus? Something something like that. that, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, $600 for most people who are who are hit the hardest uh, with the economic shutdowns, which I don't know if we have an article about it, but the who finally uh, came out and talked even more about how. uh, how they do not recommend doing economic shutdowns. It yeah. is the worst way to stop the spread. Yeah, that was a while ago too. It was like a month ago. I know. I think they came out and mentioned it again. Um, but you know, six hundred dollars is such a small amount uh, that that'll basically catch most families back up on their electric bill for six months. <laughs> um, it's not going to help anybody get ahead or make 
too big of a difference in sort of a long-term financial situation. Um, and there's a lot of talk about uh, fear of inflation and things like this. And it's it's just kind of another kind of one of the, the common conversations going around. A lot of alarmism uh, connected to it. And I had a chance to sort of talk about modern monetary theory again. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to wrap up the conversation uh, all together, basically six hundred dollars for uh, it's not even all Americans. It's something like two hundred million Americans or something is not uh, it's just not enough to cause any sort of major inflation at all. Uh, just based on the the straight numbers, especially when you compare it to the corporate bailouts that are getting sent out. Right. Um and, you know, this $600 for most people is going to come in the door and fly right out the back door. It's not going to, you know, it's not like people are holding on to the $600 for a rainy day. It yeah. is the rainy day. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, first of all, the, the amount of money that that actually hit is will have almost zero bearing on any inflationary trend that we were already on, um, especially compared to corporate bailouts and things like that. But more than that, I mean, according to economists in the know, our current economy our debt fiat based economy has been run by modern monetary theorists for a while now and i don't need to go into the whole thing in fact i couldn't explain it any better than someone you know doing the research themselves but basically inflation is not a thing really anymore especially uh after we got off the gold standard and all money is even more imaginary than it was before um that inflation is a little bit more of a scare tactic uh, for to keep people in line rather than uh, a real threat. Uh, yeah, at least as a big of a threat that people, you know, that the alarmists are sort of making it out to be. Um, so I don't know the $600. <laughs> it occurred to me that it is probably literally, they don't just make these numbers up out of nowhere. You know, the government, their main concern is what is the least amount of money that we can pay to keep everybody from revolting? Right. What is just, just the smallest amount that we could pay them to keep everybody from totally turning on everyone uh, on, on the leadership and, and burning the place to the ground. And I think $600 is about exactly that. They would not give any, they would not give a penny more than it took for people to, to stave off a revolution well, for a few months at least. Sure. Yeah. There's a few things in there that you were mentioning one being that yes, 600 is nothing, especially like you mentioned, the corporations are being bailed out with a lot more money with uh, the money that's coming into these stimulus uh, or, you know, the being generated by the stimulus, but yeah. also go real ahead. quick, this is not $600 a month. No. This is a one, one time. time dollar amount. Yeah. yeah. And the, not only that, but the fact that we are, clamoring not we like you and i but just people in general in this country and around the world are clamoring clamoring for their governments to bail them out that in right. itself is the pro like that's that's a like the stimulus check people begging for it people begging for more money this is way we're way past the point of like hey there's an issue uh because 
not only is six hundred dollars not going to do anything, the fact that we're in this situation is awful. And the same people that were a lot of the same people that were sitting there saying, Hey, we need to shut down the economy. Governments do something. We have to, we have to protect the the people from the virus. Let's shut it down. Shut it down. Mm-hmm. Are the same people saying governments, what do you, we bail us out. We have no money. All of our businesses are shutting down. Right. So people are, this whole virus thing and the, it was really, I think to uh, have an excuse, a scapegoat, uh, to let the economy crash, which at least on the stock market, it did in, uh, in March, right after the whole lockdown and everything, everything fell a whole bunch of people. Remember all those CEOs cashing out in January, <laughs> mm-hmm. stepping down and selling their stock. And there, there was a lot going on there. That was yeah. really convenient. Very Everybody convenient. at the top got pre-warning to all yes. this. That's why you saw massive stock sales and uh, cashing out of all sorts of markets back in January, yes. especially from our Congress members and uh, people who are friends with them. Right. And so this, this desire for the government to do everything for us, that mentality itself, I think, is the root of the uh, the problem here. Yeah, but you yeah. know the the um, <clears throat> don't worry and, about and, it. And well, and as usual, I just want to say as well, same kind of deal when we talk about the mark of the beast and the vaccine. I'm not saying that uh, we should all go on a humongous universal basic income either. I'm just <laughs> saying six hundred dollars is a ridiculous amount. We'll see. After all the negotiations and the infighting. Uh, it's just such a silly amount to think that people are going to be satisfied with. Yeah. And so where this, where is this 900 billion coming from? Are we, uh, we're getting taxed. Uh, our children are being taxed, right? Basically mm-hmm. more debt, yeah. more printing, but you oh, know they're what? They're just printing it. You know, this whole tax our children thing again, modern monetary theory. Yeah. Mo- most, MMT. most many, I won't say most, but uh, famously, Many large societies over the course of uh, just history in general, a lot of them, you know, we're kind of told that our taxes pay for a lot of things, but uh, (laughs) many times over history, your tax money basically just gets burned um, to, to, again, to, to help this inflationary rate. Yeah, uh, this was back long ago, but you know that's a whole thing, yeah. whole another conversation. Yeah, so this is where I think it becomes very obvious that the whole lockdown and the shutting down of the economy, what it's really about, it's about the reset. Because here's where the money's really going. Okay, this is finance.yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. The Great Reset. BlackRock is fueling a 100 trillion dollar transformation on Wall Street. 120 trillion. Wow. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's insanity. Big money is that turning is- its back on companies that aren't comforting uh, or, or aren't conforming to one simple idea. Sustainability. Hello, sustainable development, UN 2030 oh, agenda. And it's yep. fueling one of the biggest transfers of capital the world has ever seen. In fact, within a year, 77% of institutional investors will stop buying into companies that aren't in some way sustainable. And the new king of Wall Street is leading the charge. BlackRock, with over $7 trillion in assets under management, says its clients will double their ESG investments in just five years. Money managers on the street are saying climate change is their top concern. Of course. Money managers, uh, or no, and the leading criteria when determining where they put their money uh, to work, sustainable assets, 
already account for $17.1 trillion, but there could be as much as $100 trillion up for grabs. And, uh, that, and that's exactly why sustainable stocks are outperforming the market. And blah, blah, blah. It goes into some more stock stuff. But that's where the money's going. <laughs> they're, they're redoing the entire system. And this is why, again, my whole thesis about why the hacks are being public now and all that, they're, they're going to rebuild everything. Right. And, um, the part of the great reset, the part stuff. of the great reset. And uh, here's the thing we talked about Bitcoin and crypto. If, uh, if you know, if, if as watchmen, okay, we've been looking at the economy for a long time, uh, or at least a few years for me and others have been looking at it saying, you know, it's going to crash. It's going to crash. It's going to crash. And the crash never really came. But now that we're in this situation of a transition, it's, it, it, I talked about Bitcoin in a sense of, hey, it could be kind of a life raft. It's not a savior, but mm-hmm. something like it could be. It's kind of a life raft because you can get some Bitcoin and you might be okay in terms of preserving your wealth during all this crazy transition. And now institutions mm-hmm. are realizing it too. And Elon Musk tweeting about Bitcoin now, I mean, he has before, but you know, having a back and forth with Michael Saylor saying like, oh, I didn't know you can buy billions at a time. And so I think that's going to be, become a hedge uh, in, in the same way gold was for all the gold bugs in the last 30, 40 years uh, on, on top of gold, I think, uh, you know, maybe Bitcoin is one of those assets. I'm not saying it's the asset or it's going to save everybody's lives or anything like that. But if you want to preserve wealth, because if you think about it, you know, that $1,200 stimulus check we got earlier, mm-hmm. I, I think if you put that all into Bitcoin, you're up like 50 or 60% right now. You, you have, you know, almost $3,000 or something. If you right. kept it in there. So again, it's just uh, a hedge against the modern monetary theory. And the, what we're going to see probably is a battle between MMT and the cryptocurrency world because fiat is sort of dying on the side of yeah. the street. <laughs> you know, it's, it's dead. And the real battle is between crypto and MMT. And in that process, we're going to probably see a lot of capital flow into crypto uh, as well as trying to sustain the dollar. And, and that's where you have to educate yourself and uh, you got to learn about what crypto is, what uh, the good and the bad and, and you know, the ugly, because not all crypto stuff is good. There's a lot yeah. out there. That's definitely part of the great reset, you know, like totally in line with all that stuff. So we're not saying buy everything or, or, you know, just, you know, buy into any crypto, but it's just one of those issues where I think people need to be better educated on it. Uh, because this is where the money's going, $120 trillion. And, yeah, that's insane. And people are fleeing New York. You know, Wall Street's being completely, uh, what, people are just leaving uh, New York, Los Angeles. What used to be the economic hubs are, you know, they're leaving. So, we're again, the reset has already started. You know, there, there might be some moment, you know, a cyber winter type thing or an internet goes down or something like that, but it, that doesn't have to happen. It's already taking place. So anyway, I just thought I'd mention it because, uh, uh, while people are complaining about the $600 stimulus check and the 900 billion, uh, meanwhile, this is what the wall street people are doing. They're focused on the 120 trillion to transform right. wall street. So, you know, keeping, yeah. keeping things in perspective here, a uh, couple quick new world order updates. A new world order can emerge. The United Arab Emirates outlet Khalij 
collegetimes.com. 2021 first step into a new world order oh great yeah so yeah it's just a wild <laughs> conspiracy theory but uh, we'll put it on headlines here for a yeah. uae outlet and not to be outdone india this is cityam.com india will be the big winner of this new world order oh yeah good to know yeah so uh buy some land in india or something folks <laughs> Or something. Or something. Or if we have any Indian listeners. I don't think any Indian listeners have made themselves uh, apparent to us. So if that's you, send us an email. I I really like um, Indian food. If anybody wants to. You know, have you had the naan? Send Gans some naan. Naan is delicious. As well as sag paneer. I really like sag Um, paneer. Okay. (laughs) I'm a big fan as well, but let's keep it. Okay. But, you know, India is not alone in this. Uh, you got to see what the, what they're doing here. This is five Darley. Uh, what is this? Dar, uh, India, UK ties in new world order. Keep China in crosshairs. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, that is interesting. India being India and China, just having some real rough times together over on their border um, over the past couple months here, even violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, military some, violence between yeah. the two, which is a little bit concerning. Yeah. Yeah. There was some uh, people killed or wasn't there like hand combat or something a few months yes, ago? Yes, there was some hand combat. There was some uh, microwave direct energy. Energy weapons right. used. There's all <laughs> sorts of nasty stuff happening on the border over there. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore. But there you go. UK taking sides with India on this front against China. It feels like everybody's Uh-oh. against China. I know. China's just not making a lot of friends lately. No, no. That's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. That You got on the updates? Uh, those updates are done. Let's move on to some of the cyber warfare updates. Yeah. Cyber weapons have already gone on the offensive. Okay, uh, this is coming from RT.com. So a nice, you get your nice uh, Russia. Russia propaganda here. Um, but it reads, the headline is, Cyber War on Israel? Iran-linked hacker group claims to have breached Israel aerospace industries servers. Now, for those who have been uh, keeping up with the show lately, you've learned about Stuxnet and the uh, cyber war with Iran uh, physically taking over some of their nuclear uh, reactors and destroying things simply through hacks, uh, which has been interesting. The assassination of some Iranian nuclear scientists. And now Let's hear what Iran's up to in retaliation. The relatively new hacker group Pay2Key claimed on Sunday they had hacked into the systems of various Israeli defense industry corporations, including Israel Aerospace Industries. The group teased the hack last week while posting a poll asking users to vote on which Israeli organization had, quote, the most secure network, with the state-owned AIA, I'm sorry, IAI being one of the choices and winning the vote. Uh, quote, I thought so too, but sometimes something changes. Stay alert, the group's Twitter account posted afterwards. Pay2Key later posted that they claimed uh, was proof they had access to IAI's directory as well as access information for IAI subsidiary Elta Systems LTD. Reports suggest the group published a list of users on Elta Systems servers on the dark web, including Kamala Edry, head of Cyber Projects Development, 
The information leaked was not classified, but rather showed names and computer registries. It could suggest, however, that the group has access to more sensitive information. IAI is currently investigating the potential breach, though... Uh, it claims no classified or damaging information was stolen. Reports on pay-to-key from cybersecurity firms Checkpoint and Whitestream suggests the group hacks servers and holds information hostage in exchange for ransom. Some experts have cited the most recent cyber attack against Israel as being from Iran, as the Whitestream report links pay-to-key to the nation by tracking a past ransom payment to an Iranian cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, quote, we followed the sequence of transactions, which began with the deposit of the ransom and ended at what appeared to be an Iranian cryptocurrency exchange uh, named X. Xcoino, the report states. Lodum Frankelstein, head of cyber intelligence at Checkpoint, also suggested Pay2Key has, quote, advanced capabilities and could have breached IAI servers days or even weeks before announcing themselves, but insisted the attack is primarily financially motivated, though ransom demands uh, have yet to be made. The current cyber attack is the latest in a spike in hacks against Israel. A report from Checkpoint uh, from early Earlier in December, claimed over 100 Israeli companies had seen their servers hacked in both October and November. So uh, the cyber war continues. And, uh, you know, you can never quite just because they the ransom went to an Iranian exchange um, does not necessarily prove anything that it was Iran. But um, the U.S. with the solar solar winds hack is not the only uh, nation experiencing massive cyber warfare against its uh, private sector recently. So uh, a little bit concerning. Yeah, the thing you missed there, you skipped over it a couple times. The tweet is no longer there because the account is blocked. But pay to mm-hmm. key tweeted out winter is coming. Um, yeah. Oh, that dark winter again keeps popping up. Yep. 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 So, uh, yep. I mean, this is the thing that's really interesting about this hack is we've seen a lot of hacks recently, but if you look at the history of hacks and what types of information gets revealed in it, uh, Gary McKinnon, do you remember Gary McKinnon, Basil? Mm -hmm. This was was a, a hacker from, I think it was the UK. And he hacked into the Pentagon back in the late 90s or early 2000s. And in right. 2002, he was he, a kid at the time, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in 2002, he admitted that one of the things that he saw in the Pentagon files was non-terrestrial officers. And uh, right, right. And and part of uh, and some names of crafts that aren't public. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people are like, what are non-terrestrial officers? You know, the, since we're living on terra firma, right. like water people or the, you know, but, but water people are <laughs> Marines, you know? Yeah. So, non-terrestrial usually referring to, uh, people in space, people in space and, 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 you know, the context of today with the uh, guardians and space force, uh, it might be interesting. Just keep an eye on what types of information gets leaked here from the Israel aerospace industry servers because, uh, and in conjunction to the recent, um, uh, who was it? The, the former, uh, Israeli space guy coming out and saying, yeah, Oh, the, the galactic S- federation space security chief. Yeah. That guy saying that, you know, the U S and we've been in, in contact with the galactic federation. 
it just seems like the whole thing is being set up for one big reveal of a, I don't know, they might call it alien, but it just feels like a super huge, you know, because if you think about project blue beam, we've covered it over the years and stuff and the whole alien deception, that's like the final card, you know, th- this whole COVID thing. Yeah. You know, it's obviously a virus kind of like the flu that affects people. Some people can die from it. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, they, I think they realize how well they can pull off these types of large worldwide scale deceptions. And so they have to know that in the back of their pocket, they got the alien card that they can play and people can really, uh, yeah, you know, be taken into this, to the idea that aliens are here. And if that's the case, then you can really start talking about the antichrist, uh, fulfillment of certain types of prophecies. You got the genetic stuff in there. You have control mechanisms. You have surveillance mechanisms, high technology, uh, a mark of the beast economic system that can come into play. There's a whole whole lot of things that gets checked off the check, uh, the list of, uh, or a checklist there of prophetic, uh, things. And so I just thought it was interesting that, uh, the most recent announcement here about uh, Israel, cyber war on Israel, because of all the different things taking place, both historically and currently, when it comes to hacking and what hacks have revealed to us in the past of this type. I wonder if there's any data centers or uh, server farms over in the, the valley of um, Armageddon there. Oh, maybe. Yeah, some Megiddo. like underground ones. Yeah. <laughs> that would be an interesting, uh, you know, interesting way for prophecy to sort of materialize. Well, before the whole uh, flat earth thing became popular again, there was the the Black Knight. You remember the Black Knight uh, satellite? No. There's supposed to be some kind of ancient satellite. Oh, right. That's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hovering the skies. Wow, I have and- not heard about that thing since the initial <laughs> reports. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, but. Yeah, th- those things are out there. We've covered a lot of information over the years, and it's again, it's just kind of refreshing your memory on like, oh, okay, what kind of stuff is out there? Because hey, if they relaunch that thing, or you know, it makes contact with Earth again, or whatever, it comes back online, then uh, then you have a narrative there that sounds like science fiction, but hey, we're taking all of our uh, names of uh, space things from mythology, and now. Science fiction in general, which is modern mythology, space and so things. Um, <laughs> space things. But yeah, I mean, it's all it's all it all seems to be leading to a biblical end. But, yes. Uh, yeah, just keep let's keep moving though. We we went from cyber warfare to aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, where are the aliens? Um, speaking of uh, part of the Great Reset there, and and the economy, and people cashing out early. This was a story that I thought was interesting. CRN.com, $286 million of SolarWinds stock sold before CEO hack disclosures. Mm. Once again. Dang, they just can't resist, can no. they? Let me just read a little. It's not a very long report, but it says you're getting in pretty big trouble for that. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you can't. If you're big enough, it's no, not, you're not going to get in trouble. Not, not, if you got $286 million, you're not going to get in too much trouble. Oh, we have to pay a $2 million fine. It's like a, it's like a, a little slap on right. the wrist. Right. Solar Winds majority owner Silver Lake and Tama Bravo 
sold $286 million of stock just before the company announced a new CEO and disclosed a cyber attack. Oh, man. The private equity firms disposed of more than 13 million SolarWinds stock shares at $21.91 per share on December 7th, two days before the IT infrastructure management firm announces Pulse Secures Sudakar Ramakrishna as its next CEO. Oh, man. Can you imagine being that guy? Knew. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder know, if he knew. I wonder if he knew. That's really rough, man. Probably not. Did you ever watch uh, Succession? No. Yeah, so this is a pretty good show as far as TV goes. Uh, certainly stressful. Uh, but it's about a family who is sort of a dynasty that runs a humongous media corporation. And you, they, uh, there was one sort of storyline in there that was, you know, something horrible happened and they named a new CEO really quick and he didn't know the horrible thing happened and then was just sort of the guy left there to deal with it, which... Sounds pretty much exactly what happened here. Yeah. And then the new guy, he's so happy to have the position. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want to give it up. You know, he's not (laughs) going to give it up. Uh, The Mm -hmm. quote, Thomas Bravo and Silver Lake were not aware of this potential cyber attack at Solar Winds prior to entering into a private placement into a single institutional investor on December 7th. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) This is false. Um. So there you go. There's not much to yeah, mention not other much than there, that, but just... boy, that's a, uh, that's just a, uh... <laughs> oh, actually look at this fire. I disclosed December 8th that it was breached in a state sponsored attack designed to gain information on some of the company's government customers. That was the one where fire. was like, Hey, all of the stuff that protects our customers is uh, gone. It was stolen <laughs> <laughs> the day after they sell all their stock. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, Come on. I know. And probably nobody's going to do anything no, about it. I mean, it's no. not even mainstream. We've got to go to CRN.com, yeah. news analysis and perspective for solution providers yeah. and technology some, integrators. And some insider trading there. I know. Uh, Martha Stewart went to jail for like, what was it? A year or something for insider trading? Yeah. Come on. All right. Um, here's uh, one more cyber attack little story here coming from Gizmodo.com. Did you ever have uh, the feeling that you were being watched? Headline reads, your credit score should be based on your web history. IMF says, oh, oh great. <laughs> Thank you, International Monetary Fund. Wow. Your credit score should be based on your web history. Whew, I don't think so. Let's, <laughs> let's see what they have to say about this. With more services than ever collecting your data, it's easy to start asking why anyone should care about most of it. This is why. Because people start having ideas like this. In a new blog post for the International Monetary Fund, four researchers presented their findings from a working paper that examines the current relationship between finance and tech, as well as its potential future. Gazing into their crystal ball, the researchers see the possibility of using the data from your browsing, search, and purchase history to create a more accurate mechanism for determining the credit rating of an individual or business. Ah! Oh my gosh, they believe that this approach could result in greater lending to borrowers who would potentially be denied by traditional financial institutions. I'm going to set up a little bot, run a little... uh, 
little script on my computer that <laughs> that just repeatedly searches very responsible and normal things, you know, mm-hmm. for when they start doing this. I want uh, I want to build up a history of searching, you know, what's the most responsible way to uh, invest my money in the future of sustainability <laughs> or why I love the International Monetary Fund. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. Nine eleven video click, but then on the the records, it's uh, IMF labeled cookies. <laughs> Just do a search, uh, a repeated search for. I believe all official narratives and <laughs> how to tell wh- your crazy conspiracy theory uncle the truth. <laughs> yeah, I want to be a responsible citizen. At its heart, the paper is trying to wrestle with the dawning notion that the institutional banking system is facing a serious threat from tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Apple. The researchers identify two key areas in which this is true. Tech companies have greater access to soft information, and messaging platforms can take the place of the physical locations that banks rely on for meeting with customers. The concept of using your web history to inform credit ratings is framed around the notion that lenders rely on hard data that might obscure the worthiness of a borrower or paint an unnecessarily dire picture during hard times. Citing soft data points like the type of browser and hardware used to access the internet, the history of online searches and purchases that could be incorporated into evaluating a borrower, the researcher believes that when a lender has a more intimate relationship with the potential client's history, they might be more willing to cut them off some slack. Yeah, that's a good... (laughs) What could possibly be a more intimate relationship than knowing your entire browser history? Yeah. I don't think any more intimacy exists. Quote, banks tend to cushion credit terms for their long-term customers during downturns. The paper's authors wrote, this is... Uh, This is because they have a history and relationship with the customer. Now, imagine the kind of intimate history that Facebook would have with a borrower, and suddenly its digital cash initiative starts to make more sense. No, it doesn't. But uh, how would all this data be incorporated into credit ratings? Machine learning, of course. It's black boxes all the way down. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, And for those who don't quite get the reference, machine learning is uh, another aspect of artificial intelligence. And like machine learning and most artificial intelligence, even the creators of it don't know exactly what's happening inside the black box. In between the input-output. Yes, in between the input-output, even those who know it most intimately I have no idea what's going on. The researchers acknowledge that there will be privacy and policy concerns. <laughs> no I'm glad kidding. they acknowledge that related to incorporating this kind of soft data into credit analysis. And they do little to explain how this might work in practice. The paper isn't long and it's worth a read just to wrap your mind around some of the notions of fintech's future and why everyone seems to want in on the payments game as it is. Hold on, I'm just going to open up that little document for later reading. Uh, As it is getting the really fine soft data points, blah, blah, blah. So you get it. They're going to take all the big brother um, panopticon information of all of your digital history, which is definitely more than you think, folks, uh, to decide if you're worthy of a loan. This is why we need to rebuild the full stack 
and also why the idea of decentralizing the web mm-hmm. and using cryptography encryption to protect one's identity and what one does on the internet uh, preserves levels of freedom that is uh, that exists offline. You know, that's part yeah. of the thing that, um, yeah. you know, auto exec bat in the Twitch chat says, I will spearhead a hacking ring to develop Google searching bots that will build your credit score 24 hours a day. Ooh, that's <clears> a I'm not joking. Auto exec. If you're, if you're serious about that, that will, might be the uh exit uh, strategy the, for the us exit strategy for sure we're gonna sit down and they're gonna google and facebook will be like wow you have fantastic credit yeah you just you do it can on buy a, whatever uh, you want do it on a subscription basis you know you pay five bucks a month and you know one of our little bots just makes very responsible searches uh on your google account and by the time all this kicks in you're gonna be quite the uh quite the desirable borrower until they realize that you know we're using bots <laughs> they won't realize because auto exec is so good <laughs> okay i'll i'll <laughs> lean into that okay um we have a bunch of uh waxine updates here but before we gotta yeah do you want to read that well let me do the jingle here waxine waxine Oh, yeah, I want to hit this. um, The email. The the email, yes. Okay, this is an email from, are we saying name here? Let me, wait. Yes, this is Jade42, um, one of our uh, avid live viewers here. And she sent a little email, or they sent a little email. Uh, said, yep, I think it's a she. Thought you wife, guys, wife of Adam 40, 42. Yes. Thought you guys would find this interesting. My husband, Adam 42, recently had a PCR test done to test for COVID at LabCorp in Austin, Texas. Um, and those, just for a little catch up, PCR is the current quote unquote gold standard for coronavirus testing. Uh, even the creator of the PCR test uh, does not agree that it's the best way to test for things. Um, but of course, that's the only, basically, the only thing being used uh, for coronavirus testing. Uh, which has lots of problems, can be manipulated and false positives, etc., etc. The Email continues. I decided to contact the lab and ask about what cycle threshold their lab is using to determine the cutoff for positives. Brilliant. Well, yeah, brilliant. And actually doing what everybody's talking about doing. So great job, Jade. To my surprise, no one in the office knew what I was talking about. (laughs) I don't know if that's too surprising to me, but yes. Um, And the lab technician told me she would have to have their lab call me back. Several days later, I just got a call from a manager that stated he has been in contact with the vice president of LabCorp and Mm. was told he is not legally allowed to disclose that information. Mm. Why? There would be no reason for that to be legally not allowed. I know why. You can't handle the truth. That's why. Yeah, because they're running it at 45 cycles or something. He stated that the science is not totally clear on the issue and data is still being gathered. 
Okay. Uh, that that, I think what? this guy was giving you the runaround. I don't think it's illegal for him to tell you how many cycles. Yeah. The, uh, sorry. Continue. I asked him more about the piece uh, about how PCR is used for other viruses. And he stated that often for STDs like chlamydia and gonorrhea, they use the CT count quantitatively to tell patients how high the chance that it's actually negative and was due to contamination uh, during the amplification process. But those numbers have not been determined for COVID. I mentioned the recommendations from the WHO of 40 counts and Dr. Fauci's comment that we should not be using higher than 35 to qualify as a positive test. He stated that he gave all the information he's allowed to give and he is, quote, sticking to his story. (laughs) (laughs) That's the wow. That's the vice president saying, stop bothering me, citizen. Man, I can't, it sounds like you got that uh, question escalated pretty high. LabCorp yeah. is a gigantic corporation. Yeah, good job. The email continues, can't say I'm surprised, but I thought you'd be interested to hear about it. I'm kicking myself for not recording the phone call, but he called me at 630 in the morning. Yikes. That's how they get you. Hope you're all staying well, Jade42. Thank you very much, Jade42. And good job uh, on putting in the work. That's some great boots on the ground um, reporting or at least attempt at reporting it does not surprise us that uh, they don't want to give anybody information on how exactly they're running these tests because you can't uh, you can't get a peek at the man behind the curtain that's just not allowed in america yeah i wish you had a jingle box jade because you could have just done that's right okay so with that uh we are going to move oh so that means Adam 42 got a PCR test. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what's going on there, Adam. Okay. Well, let's get into our first vaccine little story here. And the first one um, coming from a tweet from the Associated Press. The tweet is Italy is joining Belgium, Austria, and the Netherlands in banning UK flights to slow a new more, a new more transmissible miserable coronavirus strain germany is considering limiting flights and so we get a we get a few little stories uh, all packed into one here but to hit the actual article from ap news it says more eu nations ban travel from uk fearing virus variant a growing list of European Union nations in Canada and Canada barred travel from the UK on Sunday and others were considering similar action in a bid to block a new strain of coronavirus sweeping across southern England from spreading to the continent. France, Germany, Germany Italy and the Netherlands, Belgium, Austria, Ireland and Bulg- Ireland. Wow. That's a pretty hardcore ban. And Bulgaria all announced restrictions on UK travel hours before British Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced that Christmas shopping and gatherings in southern England must be cancelled because of the rapidly spreading infections blamed on the new coronavirus variant. 
Johnson immediately placed those regions under new strict tier four restriction level spending Christmas plans, sorry, upending Christmas plans for millions. France banned all travel from the UK for 48 hours from midnight Sunday, including trucks carrying freight through the tunnel under the English Channel or from the port of Dover on England's south coast. French officials said the pause would buy time to find a, quote, common doctrine on how to deal with the threat, but it's through the busy really isn't that that's not science. Come on. (laughs) It's doctrine. It's the religion of, uh, you know, anti COVID, um, uh, science, which sacraments include wearing a mask and, uh, hand sanitizer but it threw the busy cross-channel route used by thousands of trucks a day into chaos the port of dover tweeted sunday night that its ferry terminal was closed to all accompanied traffic leaving uh, the uk until further notice due to border restrictions in france eurostar passenger trains from london to paris brussels and amsterdam were also halted germany said all flights coming from britain except cargo flights were no longer allowed to land starting mid night Sunday. It didn't immediately say how long the flight ban would last. Belgian Prime Minister Alexandre de Croo said he was issuing a flight ban for 24 hours. Yada, yada, yada. So they go through the very excruciating details of each uh, (laughs) travel ban. But basically, uh, the island of uh, Great Britain there is getting locked down. Our British listeners, our British producers are trapped on an island, an island of COVID. But uh, pretty coincidental uh, that the brand new super evil strain that must be contained comes the very week after vaccinations start. What a coincidence. Yeah, very coincidental. I mean, it's just, oh, we can't take, we can't get a break in 2020. It's almost as if they're doing it on purpose. It's uh, it's I'm sure. And this is pointed out by Aaron in the YouTube chat. I'm sure this is also punishment for Brexit Ah. as the Brexit uh, process continues. This is EU's. This is the EU's. uh, uh, I tried to tell you moment, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They're like, we tried to tell you, you, you rebellious Brits. Bad (laughs) things will happen if you try to leave us. Talk about a cult. You know? Yeah. Well, that's think about the, it. You know, it's the EU, man. Don't <laughs> mess with the EU. That is total. That is total. Take cult their behavior. ball and go home. <laughs> that's super cult behavior. They try to leave, and they're like, "You can try, but we will ruin your life." Yeah. Exactly. No, it's like a bad relationship. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, the way that they're shutting down all of the holiday stuff in Britain is is also kind of disappointing. I mean. Literally, he canceled Christmas. I know. Yeah. Well, well, Boris said he fooled everybody with his Trumpish look there, but no good. You know, his father no. was a big uh, eugenics guy, right? Didn't he yeah. have a book or something about how we need to depopulate? Oh, I don't know the exact thing, but I'm sure we've covered it on past shows. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm going to skip around from the list there, Basil, because I thought it was okay. uh, important to point this out. This sure. is, um, oops, that's not the right article there this is air.org this was published on the 22nd of november but i think it's worth reading asymptomatic spread revisited 
Mm. And it says here, the phrase fog of war is attributed to Carl von Clausewitz. It has become, uh, it has come to refer to the confusion and uncertainty felt by everyone in the mindset of conflict. Uh, it is often unclear who is making decisions and why, and what the relationship between the strategies and the goals. Um, even the rationale can become elusive as frustration and disorientation displace clarity and rationality. In 2020, we've experienced, uh, experienced the fog of disease mitigation. The initial round of lockdowns was not about suppressing the virus, but slowing it for one reason, to preserve hospital capacity. Whether, uh, whether and to what extent the curve was actually flattened will probably be debated for years, but back then there was no question of extinguishing the virus. The volume of the curves, tall and quick or short and long, was the same either way. People were going to get the bug until the bug burns out herd immunity. Gradually and sometimes almost imperceptibly, the rationale for the lockdown changed. Curve flattening became an end in itself apart from hospital capacity. Perhaps this was because the hospital crowding issue was extremely localized in two New York boroughs, while hospitals around the country emptied out for patients who didn't show up. 350 hospitals furloughed workers. Uh, the failure uh, was embarrassing enough, given the overwhelming costs. School closed, commercial rights were vanquished, shelter-in-place orders from wartime were imposed, travel nearly stopped, all large events were canceled, and so on. Clearly, there needed to be good, solid, science-based reason for why the politicians and their adversaries, or I'm sorry, advisors, had on their own decided to take away much of what we once regarded as human rights. Talk about this began in March, but faded. Sometime in the summer, the idea of asymptomatic spread started to trend, bit by bit. It finally went to an explosion of interest in the first week of June. It trailed off again until very recently. Asymptomatic spread was the answer given to the great question, I'm not sick, so why should I have to be locked down? Why are we quarantining the healthy, and what possibly could it mean in any case to be sick without symptoms? Why are half the PCR positive tests assigned to people who otherwise seem to be perfectly fine? All these valid questions came to be answered by this one phrase, asymptomatic spread. You might not feel sick, you might not ever have symptoms from SARS-CoV-2, still, you could be an even worse super spreader, a super spreader without knowing it, infecting people all around you who will carry it to people who will die from the disease. This was mm -hmm. also the moment when subtly and imperceptibly we were being asked to think of our fellow citizens not as human beings with dignity and rights, but pathogen-carrying disease vectors. We had to be masked, all of us, because we are secretly filthy and unclean. We cannot be allowed to breathe near others, even uh, so even with a mask, we must stay, uh, stay six feet away. Uh, and it says here in parentheses, as I type these words, I feel sure that if anyone reads them in 10 years, the reader will assume I'm writing fiction or engaged in wild hyperbole. To the future reader, this is all true. On June 7th, Dr. Maria Van Kirkhoff, head of the WHO's Emerging Disease and Zoonosis Unit, told a press conference that from the known research, asymptomatic spread was, quote, very rare. Quote, from the data we have, it still seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person can actually transmits a uh, person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. She added for emphasis, quote, it's very rare. Um, and it has the clip here. I think this clip's been played. Do you want to play the clip real quick so you can hear it? Or Yeah, it might be good to remind people. We, we did do a thing on it uh, back in the day. Sure. Let me play, play the clip. it for fun. Actually transmit. So the way that we look at that is we look at um, they need these individuals need to be followed carefully um, 
over the course of uh, when they're detected and looking at secondary transmission. We have a number of reports from countries who are doing very detailed contact tracing. They're following asymptomatic cases, they're following contacts, and they're not finding secondary transmission onward. It's very rare. And that not, much of that is not published in the, in the literature. From the papers that are published, there is one that came out from Singapore uh, looking at a long-term care facility. There are some household transmission studies where you follow individuals over time and you look at the proportion of those that transmit onwards. Um, we are constantly looking at this data and we're trying to get more information from countries to truly answer this question. It still appears to be rare that an asymptomatic individual actually transmits onward. What we really want to be focused on are, is following the symptomatic cases. If we followed all of the symptomatic cases because we know that this is a respiratory pathogen, it passes from an individual through infectious droplets. If we actually followed all of the symptomatic cases, isolated those cases, followed the contacts and quarantined those contacts, we would drastically reduce. I would love to be able to give a proportion of how much transmission we would actually stop but it would be a drastic reduction in transmission. If we could focus on that, I think we would, we would do very, very well in terms of suppressing transmission. But from the data we have, it still seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. Oh, can't say that. World Health Organization trying to yeah. spill the and truth there. They did quickly uh, retract that uh, comment and such, of course. Yeah, they, and the article they did mentions not that. like her telling <clears throat> the truth like that. Yeah, the article gets into some of that. The explosion of fury on all sides. People against lockdown were screaming all over Twitter that if this is true, the rationale for lockdowns mostly disappears. Uh, on the other side, there was the predictably pro-lockdown mainstream, which decried her heresy. The cry was so loud that the WHO immediately started walking back the claim, mostly with hints uh, and suggestions that didn't say untrue things, but did repudiate the initial claim either, quote, uh, but did not repudiate the initial claim either, quote, there is, this is the World Health Organization talking about the retraction now, there is much to be answered on this, there is much to be unknown, uh, there is much, much that is unknown, sorry, okay. there's, my phone rang, I got distracted. It's clear that both symptomatic and asymptomatic individuals are part of the transmission cycle. <laughs> the question is whether it, uh, what is the relative contribution of each group to the overall number of cases? Okay, whatever. Following that question, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting too hyped up. Following that, the question yeah, the, seemed to fade. Stuff, don't worry about it. I know. We went back to assuming that potentially everyone had a disease enabling fellow citizens to become virtuous enforcers of mask wearing, staying home and separating, screaming and yelling at others for failing to comply. The science on the question was unsettled, we were told. So let's get back to wrecking life as we once knew it. The fog of disease mitigation indeed. But as with most of the science throughout this ordeal, it eventually came to be revealed that good sense and rationality would prevail over implausible claims and predictions that led to experiments in social control without any precedent. In this case, the carrier of rationality is a gigantic study conducted in Wuhan, China, of 10 million people. The article appears in Nature Communications, published November 20th, 2020. The conclusion is not that asymptomatic spread is rare or that the science is uncertain. The study revealed something that hardly ever happens in these kinds of studies. There was not one documented case. 
Forget Rare, forget even Fauci's previous suggestion that asymptomatic transmission exists but does not drive the spread. Replace all that with never, at least not in the study, (laughs) of 10 million people. And this is a quote. Stringent COVID-19 control measures were imposed in Wuhan between January 23rd and April 8th, 2020. Estimates of the prevalence of infection following the release and restrictions could inform post-lockdown pandemic management. Here we describe blah, blah, blah. It goes into some of the stuff here. All city residents aged six years and older were eligible and 9 million such and such uh, participated, nearly 10 million people. No new symptomatic cases and 300 asymptomatic cases were identified. There were no positive tests among 1,174 close contacts of asymptomatic cases. Wow, that's ridiculous. 107 of 34,424 previously recovered COVID-19 patients tested positive again. The prevalence of SARS-CoV-2 infection in Wuhan was therefore very low five to eight weeks after the end of lockdown. That's the end of the quote there. One might suppose that this would be huge news. It would allow us to open everything immediately with the whole uh, basis for post-curve flattening lockdowns crumbled. We could go on back to living a normal life. The fear could evaporate. We can take comfort in our normal intuition that healthy people can get out and about with no risk to others. We could take off our masks. We could go to movies and sports events. From what I can tell, there was no one news story that was posted about this. Not one. No, no. There was only one. That posted about this. It was Russia today. Oh, Russia, Russia. Uh, I've not been able to find another one. People not following the right accounts on Twitter wouldn't even know about it. We keep hearing about how we should follow the science. Science is truth. The claim is tired by now. We know what's really happening. The lockdown lobby ignores whatever contradicts their narrative, preferring unverified anecdotes over an actual scientific study of 10 million residents in what was the world's first major hotspot for the disease we are trying to manage. You would expect this study to be massive international news. So far, uh, as I can tell, it is being ignored. With solid evidence that asymptomatic spread is nonsense, we have to ask who is making decisions and why. Again, this brings me back to the metaphor of fog. We are all experiencing confusion and uncertainty over the precise relationship between the strategies and the goals of panoply panoply of regulators and stringencies all around. Even the rationale has become elusive, even refuted, as frustration and disorientation have displaced what we vaguely recall as clarity and rationality of daily life. And this uh, was written by Jeffrey Tucker. He is the editorial director for the American Institute for Economic Research. So there you go. A study from China, uh, from the heart of the disease that spread across the world. 10 million people, no asymptomatic carriers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and of course, China being the place that somehow went back to normal with no vaccine and, you know, people going in big pool party concerts and uh, nobody seems to be too worried about it over there. (laughs) Not at all. But yeah, this is unbelievable that, and I hadn't even heard about the story or the, the study until I came in contact with this article. So it's clearly not being shared. And, uh, but you know, it's, uh, if you're going to not trust China, I guess you can, you know, peddle the whole CCP well, argument. Isn't that there. The confusing part. It is. It is the <laughs> confusing part because you might be saying, Oh, it's just China trying to say everything's fine. 
But uh, then you're caught in between this uh, rock and a hard place situation as us in the United States. It's like, oh, bad CCP. But if you're going to, uh, if you're going to go around the bad CCP argument, maybe the scientists can look at the science, you know, cause science isn't supposed to have a national bias, right? Yeah, it's not supposed to be it's political. It's supposed to be. Separation of uh, science and state, baby. Yeah. But uh, clearly that's not, that's not what we're living in. We're living in the scientific dictatorship now. Yeah. So I just thought I'd bring that to everyone's attention. The link will be yeah. in the the uh, the show notes for Canary Cry News Talk at canarycrynewstalk.com. So look out for that. Share with friends and share it with friends and family. Uh, for those who want to know uh, things that are out there that nobody's talking about. Again, published on November twenty second, so about a month ago. Well, I uh, underlined a couple things in our notes there, Gons, that I think we can skip for time. Okay. Um, but we cannot skip Daddy Fauci telling the kids about Santa. Oh. Will Santa still be able to visit me in coronavirus season? What if he can't go to anyone's house or near his reindeer? Well, I have to say I took care of that for you because I was worried that you'd all be upset. So what I did a little while ago, I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I oh. measured his level of immunity and he is good to go. He can come down the chimney. He can leave the presence. He can leave and you have nothing to worry about. Santa Claus is good to go. <laughs> Just another thing to put on the list of Fauci lies. This is, <laughs> but it's okay because you can lie to children. This Apparently, that's okay. False. I got a clip of Santa after he got the vaccine. No. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I think he turned into a nephilim. Yeah, he then, sounds like a nephilim. And also, I thought this was hilarious. The the top tweet that was uh, pinned here from Patrick Henningsen. It's okay. Fauci has immunity over prosecution. It's a picture of a uh, dead Santa, Santa Claus, breaking news. Santa Claus found dead hours after taking oh, the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> that's not true. Gons. <laughs> Gons. Why would you spread fake news like that? Uh, fake news to refute fake news <laughs> just, to, just to keep things consistent, you know? Um, so that was a fun one. Let me see here. What else should we make sure to hit before we don't? I think we oh. should go over the, these two here because, uh, uh, okay. There, people have been wondering, you know, the Moderna, the the, the <laughs> That's great true. pharma wars. Yes, with, uh, the Vax wars. Moderna being approved by the FDA last week, and uh -huh. um, let me let me start out with this then. Go for it. Uh, Statnews.com. The headline is a side by side comparison of the Pfizer BioNTech and Moderna vaccines. We we live in a a, a consumer-driven culture, Gons. I know. The consumers need to know which vaccine to get. Uh, in an ideal world, a pandemic vaccine would be delivered in a single shot. No supplies could be stretched. Uh, so supplies could be stretched to cover a lot of people. It would trigger no side effect more significant than a sore arm, and it would be easy to ship in store. Unfortunately, this is not 
an ideal world. No kidding. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Okay, they're staying optimistic. <laughs> For sure. now, the good news is that the United States has two COVID-19 vaccines that have been shown to be highly effective. What follows is a head-to-head comparison of the ones developed by Pfizer and its partner BioNTech and by Moderna. Note that the chances of most individuals being able to pick one or the other are slim to none, especially in the initial rollout. The vaccine available is the one you'll get. <laughs> Good. Yay. Here's here's the differences. You should know the differences, but you'll take what you get there, civilian. Uh, target population. The Pfizer emergency use authorization is for people aged 16 and older. Moderna's is for people 18 and older, though the company has recently begun testing its vaccine in 12 to 17 year olds. Eek. Vaccine efficacy. Both vaccines have shown astonishing and essentially equivalent degrees of efficacy, at least in the early stages after vaccination. How they stack up over the long term remains to be seen. The Pfizer vaccine showed efficacy of 95% at preventing symptomatic COVID infection measures starting from seven days after the second dose was administered. The vaccine appeared to be more or less equally protective across age groups and racial and ethnic groups. The Moderna vaccine was 94.1% effective at preventing symptomatic COVID-19 measured starting from 14 days after the second dose. The vaccine's efficacy appeared to be slightly lower in people 65 and older, but during a presentation to the Food and Drug Administration's advisory committee, the company explained that the numbers could have been influenced by the fact that there were few cases in that age group in the trial. Wait, the stop. Vac- <laughs> Why yeah. would you have fewer in that age? Those are the people dying from this thing. I know. Those are the ones most at risk, uh, not just of dying, but also of catching it. Yeah, but it's just uh, ridiculous. for some reason, they had the least amount of data on the most at risk group. Oh, so cool, stupid. Moderna. <laughs> the vaccine appeared to be equally effective, blah, blah, blah. Both vaccines, blah, blah, blah. Number of doses, amounts of vaccine per dose, yada, yada, yada. They both take two. uh, Well, let me read it. Both Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech vaccines require two shots, a priming dose followed by a booster shot. The interval between Moderna doses is 28 days. Oh, do you remember the movie 28 Days Later? That's what I was going to (laughs) say. The zombie apocalypse is upon us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For the Pfizer vaccine, it's 21 days. Each dose of Pfizer's contains 30 micrograms of vaccine. Moderna went with a much larger dose of vaccine, 100 micrograms. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It means it is using a little more than three times as much vaccine per person as Pfizer is. And yet they aren't getting better results. Moderna. Yep. That's very much important to point out. Yeah, they really love pointing out that Moderna is not as good as Pfizer. In the vernacular of vaccinology, vaccines that trigger a range of transient side effects in a lot of recipients are known as reactogenic. Both these vaccines, in fact, most, if not all, the COVID-19 vaccines that have reported data so far fall into the reactogenic category. Okay, reactogenic. That's a fun... uh, that's a that's a fun term. Yeah, I feel like I'm reactogenic. 
to this article? No, I, I just cause reactions in a lot of people. It just Yeah, okay. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices as expert panel that helps... Oh my gosh. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, an expert panel that helps the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention set vaccination policies, has advised hospitals they may want to stagger vaccinations among staff, for instance. Don't vaccinate all the emergency room staff at the same time in case some feel too unwell to work the day after being vaccinated. This is a really Uh, bad idea, by the way. I mean, just in terms of just think about the premise here, you know. Like, hey, don't don't get all your healthcare workers vaccinated because, uh, you know, you might it might wipe some people out, and you'll have even less people in the hospitals to help, you know, less Again, nurses and doctors. So, uh, yeah, that's just just, uh, just to point out, one of the biggest uh, healthcare systems in Pennsylvania decided they are not going to require the the vaccine. Um, safety for those who are pregnant or lactating. Neither of the vaccines have been tested in these two groups. That's what we were talking about last episode. So all these pregnant women who are so proud, uh, they are just proud to be guinea pigs and happy to put their unborn children in the test group. Well, there you go. Moderna has completed animal studies. The FDA demanded of manufacturers. These studies look for evidence that the vaccine might harm the pregnancy or developing fetus. The company said it saw no such signals. Pfizer has only interim data from its animal studies, but said it saw no concerning signs either. Very interesting how they only have interim data from its animal studies, and yet we are releasing it into the public. Yes, this is a big pregnant women. This is a big point that I think uh, people on social media were pointing out with the folks virtue signaling that they got the vaccine and are pregnant. Yeah. And uh, boasting about how their child is going to be protected. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. They're being called out for that. But, you know, yeah. block. Block. Just block. <laughs> uh, the authorizations for both vaccines state there are not enough data to gauge whether they are safe for pregnant or lactating people. Um, moving on. Let's see. Storage requirements. We, we're kind of aware of that, right? Can yeah. Fit, yeah. You can that skip one? that. There's a Neg- stuff fake. I highlighted. <laughs> Uh, down here, minimum purchase order. Uh, Pfizer's minimum purchase is an uh, order of 975 doses. Moderna is 100 doses. Um, hmm. Moderna vaccine is shipped in five dose vials. Or I'm sorry, Pfizer vaccine is shipped in five dose vials. Moderna's vaccine is shipped in 10 dose vials. I don't know if that makes much of a difference. Uh, but there's a part, you, I think you skipped it. I don't know, I was kind of doing something else too to try to uh, mitigate time here. I'm running short okay. on time, but there's a part here that said that, uh, to be clear, the side effects are a sign of an immune system kicking into gear. They do yeah, not that was up signal, at the beginning. Yeah. It was a little bit higher up, but, uh, they do not signal that the vaccine is unsafe. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, I thought that was pretty interesting to mention, but yeah, okay, that, I mean, if, if you're having bad side effects, that means it's working. That's, I know <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. But anyway, th- I thought this was um, overall, it seemed like a fairly balanced. I mean, they were a little bit harder on Moderna, but a little more balanced in terms of what the comparisons are. But let's compare this stat article with CNN, okay. of course, because, uh, you know, why not? Uh, CNN.com, what we know about Moderna's coronavirus vaccine and how it differs from Pfizer. Uh, Real briefly, Moderna's coronavirus vaccine is similar to the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine that was was the first COVID-19 vaccine authorized and shipped out 
to the first Americans last week. But there are key differences. Most importantly, Moderna's vaccines can be stored uh, in normal freezers and not required a, uh, and does not require a super cold transmission network or transportation network, making it more accessible for smaller facility, facilities and local communities. So one point to Moderna on this article. Um, uh, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control recommended the vaccine for people over 18. Some of this information we went over already. Uh, okay, so here's the part that gets really interesting here. While Pfizer is a pharmaceutical behemoth, Moderna, short for modified RNA, is a biotech company based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Established is that in really what it's short for? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Established huh. in 2010, Moderna has never brought a product to market or gotten any of its nine or so vaccine candidates approved for use by the FDA. It had also never brought a product to phase three of a clinical trial previously. The company's scientists had already been collaborating with researchers from the National Institute of Health on vaccines for another coronavirus, Middle East Respiratory System, when Chinese researchers released the genomic sequence for the novel coronavirus in mid-January. They had the jumpstart. Do you remember what we talked about a couple episodes ago about that sequence that was released by the random Chinese laboratory? Right. That it wasn't the wasn't the real one, or it, it was what was it, it again? Number one, it was yeah, it was a random Chinese lab. Number two, it wasn't the full sequence. Oh right, and that's what all the PCR tests are based off of. At least the initial forms, the one that the World Health Organization went ahead and said, "Hey, use this to find out if everyone has the coronavirus." And uh, so, yes, that this, this was a. Uh, a jump start that uh, if you know bad trash data in garbage data out, but they just went with it. The vaccine called mRNA twelve seventy three had development help from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the U.S. Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, known as BARDA, supported late stage clinical trials and had help uh, helped scale up manufacturing. The FDA greenlit clinical trials of Moderna vaccine on March third. Uh, and so it's very pro Moderna. Have you noticing that this is way more pro Moderna than the other one? is? Yeah, well, of course, because at CNN and Fauci must have called in a favor to help out his investments. Yeah, the Moderna vaccine was effective in preventing COVID-19 cases in total and in limiting severe COVID-19 during trial. Uh, same numbers as you were uh, reporting on before uh, goes into how it works with mRNA and uh, how it's different from Pfizer. And I think you covered some of that in the other one as well. Just the difference mm -hmm. between they both use mRNA, uh, but the uh, there's a little bit of a different uh, structure of molecules that Moderna uses uh, compared to Pfizer. And that's why the difference in temperatures uh, storage there. Right. And uh, let's see. The other thing is says the differences suggest that Pfizer's vaccine may be used more for major institutions with established infrastructure, such as hospitals, while Moderna's may be more useful for smaller facilities, such as local chain or pharmacist. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. It's like the Kirkland signature brand vaccine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moderna vaccine administered as two 100 microgram doses given 28 days apart. There's that 28 days. Pfizer vaccine it is, is administered as two 30 microgram doses given 21 days apart. So again, yeah, I mean, why does it take three times as much of the Moderna vaccine 
to as compared to the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and then is it safe? The vaccine has a favorable, favorable safety profile. Uh, this is Moderna. Uh, the most common adverse reactions to the vaccine have been injection site pain, fatigue, headache, muscle pain, joint pain, and chills. According to the documents, swollen nymph- lymph nodes have also been reported. Overall, quote, the frequency of non-fatal serious adverse events was low and without meaningful imbalances. And uh, yeah, no Schlaui, anaphylactic shock listed. Yeah. So they <laughs> yeah. got that over Pfizer. Yeah. Um, uh, they, the Operation Warp Speed chief scientific advisor said that it's quite noticeable side effects. And I don't think there was anything else really there. But yeah, I think the, the thing to point out is how much more pro-Moderna the CNN article is compared to it's, it's like the com you know, they're pushing that. Oh, it's for the common man. You know, whereas the stat <laughs> yeah, article was know, more that like is weird. It's like the blue collar vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd do the side by side comparison there with the stat article and the CNN article. It's yeah. all tied in with money. It's, it all depends on what, what, you know, financially you're tied up into. So, yeah. Well, and interesting how they mentioned the, uh, minimum purchase requirements because, yes. All of this has already been paid for. I mean, Project Warp Speed passed out billions of dollars to these companies earlier in the year to pre-purchase the vaccination doses. And so it's a little strange that they're expecting to need to uh, continue sales. But, you know, as we saw in the UK, apparently the vaccine also uh, (laughs) may or may not have something to do with the coronavirus Mutating. mutating the very next week so just get used to it yeah well we should take a break and make it quick because i'm i'm running pretty low on time and i want to cover the stories at okay. least in brief right after the break which has to do with crispr and uh weather modification so let's do it let's take the break it's break Okay, folks, we're just going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because like Gon said, after the break, uh, we got to talk about CRISPR, a lot of big CRISPR things happening, and then, of course, some weather modification, getting old school, but uh, quickly becoming the new school on some after the break stories. So stick around for that. I want to uh, mention real quick, if you haven't done it yet, please hit the like button, smash that like button over on YouTube or Twitch or wherever you are. Uh, viewing this live broadcast. Uh, It really helps out the algorithms uh, to learn that they can share our show and that we are safe for more people to watch. But um, other than that, we're also going to be thanking some producers of the show. And for those who are new, yes, I did say producers. You might notice that we uh, do not... Uh, advertise on this show and i want to tell you a little bit more about that in a second guns i did want to mention um from the art i want to give you some time we did have that uh art that we were saving for today that yes, came in for it, last it Friday. is ready yeah you I've got, got that all lined that. up yeah. okay if you could pop that in the dock that helped but you might notice we don't advertise and that's because advertising well to be frank is evil it's all wrapped up in uh, big brother uh, panopticon privacy concerns big data 
And it's the reason that Facebook and social media uh, feel so incentivized to censor things that they don't agree with. It's all about the money, folks. And advertising agencies and uh, and advertisers and the, the industry of advertising in general incentivizes guys like Gons and I to think of you, dear listener, not as a human being with vivid lives and wants and worries, uh, but as commodities as cattle to be loaded up and sold to advertising companies for our own personal gain. And uh, you know what? That just didn't sit right with us. So instead, we are on the value for value model, which gives you, dear listener, a chance to put a value on the media that uh, is important to you. No longer will we let advertisers and corporations set the value of important media in the world. Instead, we got to take a little bit of uh, responsibility for our own selves. And if there is media that we trust and uh, uh, enjoy and approve of, we need to uh, keep it going the old-fashioned way. And that is why we are on the value for value model, which gives the opportunity for you, dear listener, to not just be a a passive uh, consumer of a piece of media, but to become a producer of that piece of media. And there's a couple ways to do that. You can do it with your time, your talent, or your treasure. One good way to start off that uh, process is you can head over to patreon.com slash ccnt for Canary Cry News Talk. Now, this will be quick uh, because over on patreon.com slash ccnt, oh, we actually did get one during the show. So we got a new producer coming in. Actually, it's a a returning producer coming in on the Patreon, and that is uh, producer Amanda. Thank you very much, producer Amanda. Producer Amanda, hold on, let me get my my gong ready here. There it is. Ding dong. Thank you, producer Amanda. Thank you very much. Um, now we also have patreon.com slash canary cry radio. For those who are new, this is not uh Canary Cry Radio proper. This is Canary Cry News Talk. We also have another podcast called Canary Cry Radio, a little bit more of an interview style show. Very important. Also, uh, we recommend you check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but there are no new producers over on that Patreon as well. But we do have CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. Canary Cry Radio dot com slash support that's right canarycryradio.com slash support is a great place to learn uh, all about the value for value model as well as become a producer and you know that's a great place to go if you don't uh, if you got a problem with patreon and that's okay some people have uh, don't like patreon but at canarycryradio.com slash support we've got paypal options you can come in at a monthly producership those uh, recurring monthly producers go a long way to help set a, a foundation of producership for the show. Or if commitment is not your thing, you can uh, come in with a one-time producership in any amount. Uh, there's also cryptocurrency and things like that. Fun place to go. Go check it out. CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. Gons, who do we have coming in on Le Pepal? Le Pepal. First, we have uh, Saul A coming in. Thank you, Thank producer you very Saul. much, producer Saul. I think that's a, a second 
uh, he was mentioned in the last episode as well, but he came in with another yeah. producer ship. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you for that. Uh, next producer, Mark B. Thank you, ah, thank you very B. much. Mark B producer, Mark, producer, Mark and third producer, John W. Thank you very much. Producer, John W. Producer, John W. We don't have any nights today. Uh, I did want to mention the bidet song that, uh, or the bidet jingle that was yeah. uh, produced by Martin B. I don't think I properly gave the credit on air. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, Martin B. Also, uh, the guy who wrote the, uh, what was it? The, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the. the, the he's very the OG. Last, yeah, he's the OG. He's the uh, uh, the the. Oh yeah. What's the wow. song? What's the last song that we always play on the the, the show last there? one? Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't aware that there was any sort of uh consistent order that they got played in. Oh, there is. It's the People Zoo guy. The guy ah, who made People, People Zoo. Zoo. Yeah. Yeah, People Zoo. Yeah. So It's a hit. It is that a hit. song slaps. It's it's our closer for the every show. <laughs> so, thank you Martin B for the producership and uh, we look forward to more jingles and songs from you. And uh I wanted to go through the artwork here. One art, okay. please. <laughs> We have some artwork to share, and that is, uh, it's, it's an important piece to our Canary Cry family here. The first one I want to share is from Allie, producer Woo! Allie. Uh, this is, <laughs> I sniffed Joe <laughs> back better. This is a, a portrait <laughs> to get the backstory on this. Uh, I got a note from Charlie here. Uh, Allie was commissioned to do this drawing for someone on the Canary Cry community. And oh, they great. wanted her to send it to us to be shown on the show. Nice. That's very cool. And the show it relates to uh, the comment about sniffing Biden. Yes. So, it's somebody's dog. It's yeah, a great pitch dog. for those who are just listening. It's uh, it's a great, it kind of looks like a black lab, probably um, a beautiful dog. I mean, Allie did such a great job on this It's incredible. And the dog's wearing a nice uh, yellow polka dotted uh, bow tie. Yeah. So <laughs> that's great. She's getting commissions over there on canary community. Wow. Yeah. What a, I, I am so happy that uh, we've given Allie an opportunity, not just to create a bunch of wonderful stuff for us, but uh, getting commissions. Now she's a professional artist. Yes. So thank you so much for that, Ali. Please keep it up. And, uh, you know, Ali had previously been our youngest producer that we know of. Mm -hmm. I think she might have been outdone. Uh oh. This out, is outdone. You mean uh, out younged? Out younged. This is by producer Olivia, age nine, was bored. Oh. And uh, was tasked to draw Flippy putting a star on top of a Christmas tree. Oh, this is cute. So there you yes. go. Uh, is beautiful. Well done in a magic marker there. We've got a Christmas tree and a robot arm reaching from the void of the, the right side <laughs> of the page there to put the star on top of the Christmas tree. That's exactly what uh, Flippy was built to do. Yes. So thank you for that. Producer Do we know Olivia. the name of this young producer? Olivia. Producer Olivia. Olivia. Yeah. Thank so, you very much. Great job, Olivia. Great job. Keep it coming. And nine years old. Single digits. Mm. Yeah. We're going to be, we're going to be, uh, 
we ha- we're going to have like embryo producers before this is all over. <laughs> Somebody's got to put these unborn babies to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, also, um, sh- uh, Olivia loves flippy updates. So thank you there very you much, Olivia. I'm going to keep doing the flippy updates for Olivia. There's, there are going to be very well-prepared young people in, uh, yeah, the she's going to be the generation having to deal with the yeah. <laughs> the real uh, flippy invasion. So yeah. it's good she's paying attention. Very good. Also, uh, so, so thank you, producer Olivia. Please keep it up. Uh, and also next up, we have producer Mark coming in with another NWO Times Gazette. Love it. Thank you very much, producer Mark. All oh the news were allowed to print. The NWO yes. Times Gazette. It's the classifieds again, folks. And let me read them for you in case anybody's interested out there. You know, well, you'll get your $600 stimulus check, but there's some other options out there. Uh, let's see. Help Wanted. Work from home and make extra extra. Xmas cash top tier scientific journals seek peer reviewers to help handle influx of COVID related research articles, no relevant degree or experience needed complete application at www.researchrubberstamp.org. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And of course, referring to uh, all the problematic uh, peer review, quote unquote, peer reviewed journals regarding COVID-19. Um, next we have uh, for sale just in time for Xmas large selection of hyper realistic facial recognition dodging face masks all your favorite NWO leaders with integrated N95 filter media for full COVID protection then we've got some samples here and of course we've got uh, a very realistic Hillary Clinton mask uh, looks like a Mark Zuckerberg mask we got George Soros Who's that all the way on the left there, Guns? Do you know who that is? Uh, I don't know. That's a hard one. I, I can't quite tell. Maybe Lindsey Graham kind of kind of looks like Lindsey Graham. No, Let's keep moving. Graham. Quantities limited. Order now for delivery by Saturnalia. And then that's crossed out. Christmas. Uh, <laughs> call B Elite. 1-800-233-5483. B Elite. B Elite. Like that's that. great. And then in the miscellaneous section of the classifieds, it's just uh, a, one one uh, post that just says 33. There you go. <laughs> Somebody's sending a message. It's a coded Dog message. Yep. You know, that's how, that's a very, well, it used to be much more common uh, way for uh, uh, spies to talk to each other. They would leave... Uh, classified ads to send messages, coded messages. And so it looks like we've got an NWO uh, message integrated into the NWO times. And the message is 33. Figure it out. Perfect. So thank you for that, producer Mark. We appreciate it. Uh, There's something that I wanted to throw out there. This is um, uh, something very cool by producer Nigel. And producer Nigel... Uh, had an, an an idea that I think we're going to take him up on. And this is for anybody out there listening or watching. Uh, producer Nigel makes knives. He makes his oh. own knives. He's like one of these guys from uh, what's that show that uh, it will kill. We got that yeah, clip from. I forget what it's called. Somebody in the yeah. chat will know uh, forging something forge with mm-hmm. fire. Uh, he's like one of these guys that can put together actual weapons and uh, he wanted us to do some kind of uh, raffle or competition to pick well, somebody. He offered. He offered his he offered. services. Is yes. What it was. And we will take it up. 
So what we're going to do, Basil, do you want to explain how you can win this yeah, knife? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we wanted to do now producer Nigel specifically wanted to help us do some fundraising um, by offering a knife uh, to win. He'll make a custom made uh, blade for you. Now, here's the thing. Um, There are some very strict rules around running sweepstakes. Sweepstakes law is actually very, (laughs) very intense. And people, a lot of people get in trouble for um, doing sweepstakes is the wrong way. And so what we cannot necessarily do is, uh, you know, do like a raffle or charge for tickets or things like that. That's why on a lot of contests, you'll know, you'll see like no, no purchase required, uh, things like that. So, um, but we, what we are going to do, we're going to make it a social media blitz. Okay. So to enter the, uh, the drawing for producer Nigel to create your, uh, custom made blade here is, uh, we're going to do social media blitz. So, um, what I would, what I think the rules should be Gons, and we can confirm it here on the air is, uh, whatever social media you have. Now, specific. Now, remember, we Gons and I don't have all the social media uh, platforms. There's a lot of them out there now. But whatever social media you have, post a link um, to a show, share a show, whether it's on YouTube or the podcast version or something, say something good about the show and hashtag it, uh, hashtag canary cry news talk. Uh, now there's a few ideas. Like you said, you can, we can post, uh, just a link to like the YouTube version of the show or, uh, canary cry news talk.com of course, um, has links to the show, post it on your social media, use the hashtag hashtag canary cry news talk and uh, we will be compiling all of these uh, instances of social media shares and um, that will give you one entry per post into the drawing for uh, producer Nigel to create for you uh, this very cool and special I mean I'm I'm a little jealous Gons and I are not uh are not eligible to win. So uh, this is a very special thing. So if you're out there, you appreciate handmade goods. uh, If you're a collector or you just want something cool from a very talented Canarian, just like yourself, um, here's what you do. Go to a social media uh, platform of your choice, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, whatever it may be, um, and make a post. Put a nice little link to something Canary Cry News Talk related. Share an episode. Hashtag it. uh, Hashtag Canary Cry News Talk. Say something nice. Just help spread the word about the show. And you will be entered into the drawing per post that has the hashtag on it. Um, And if you're, I will say this, if you're posting on like Parler or something that is not Facebook or Twitter, once you do the posts, send us, email us a link to the post. We'll do our best to search, but the best way to make sure you get into the drawing is to uh, email us at canarycryradio at gmail.com as canarycryradio at gmail.com and send us a link to your post. And that will make sure you get into the drawing. Does that sound good? 
Yep. I think that's good. I think that'll do it. And that'll be very helpful. And again, a huge thank you to uh, producer Nigel for this. I'm so excited. Once whoever wins, um, uh, I hope they send us pictures and stuff because that would be very cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, there you go. That's clear enough. I'm waiting to see if anybody's confused in the chat. And I don't think so. I think it's straightforward enough. Perfect. Um, you, we got to mention the, uh, the yes. art. Well, there's one piece of art that we wanted to uh, uh, bring up. And this one was by Incarnate Unlimited. It is yes. a fantastic piece here. Uh, with the Georgia Guidestones, it's got the original Canary Cry header on top. You got Trump uh, Simpsons version on the left and uh, real Trump on the right. You got googly eyed feet. With it's a gout. montage. <laughs> it's a montage of great stuff. I like how yes, you and the interrupt me on the gout. In. Yeah. yeah, imagine that. Imagine me trying to interrupt that. Um, <laughs> and this is cool. This is part of a very cool project going on that we uh, finally get to tease. It's a project that's been going on for a while. Um, and this is a great opportunity. Was this uh, producer Isaac who is heading this up? I think Who's so. Yeah. This? I think so, too. Um, well, basically, a group of producers... Uh, including producer Isaac and a number of our artists are putting together um, a Canary Cry calendar. And it is a year-long calendar, I believe. Um, and on the calendar are <laughs> our Canary Cry uh, days of interest. For instance, this is the art for the March, uh, the month of March, and marked on your month of March calendar will be, for instance, March 19th, 2000. Simpsons predictively programmed the American population for Trump presidency. Uh, you also have on March 16th was the first Canary Cry radio episode in 2012. That's right. March 18th marks the 18 years in Iraq. Uh, that's uh, next year. Uh, March 22nd of 1980, Georgia Guidestones opened. So that was a big day. Ooh. And then um, March 26th was the Heaven's Gate incident, oh. uh, unofficial UFO cult awareness day. And so uh, this is such a cool project. We've been sort of uh, kept in the loop about this, but they're putting together a whole calendar and with... And most excitingly, all the art for the calendar is being done by various um, Canary Cry News Talk artist producers. And it's going to be so cool. I don't think we have um, a date set quite yet for its release, Gons. I don't I think so, but I think they're hoping that it'll come before the end of the year. Uh, soon they we'll want to do we'll it keep you guys they want to do it very soon but they're doing it from scratch getting it manufactured yeah. and so we'll keep everybody posted on the avail availability of the canary cry 2021 calendar um very excited and so cool i just love seeing the producers come together and create dope stuff I mean, I'm excited about this. So we'll keep you posted when they're available. But uh, consider this. Consider yourself teased for the Canary Cry calendar Perfect. 2021. And there was, uh, I was sent the cover for the calendar, uh, tentative. It's not complete. But mm -hmm. um, if for anybody watching on the screen, you can see it there. And uh, yep, looking forward to you know hearing more about it. This is great for you and I, Basil, because we haven't had to do anything really to to uh make it happen you know this is a kind of idea that is so great 
fantastic, except if it was just me and you, we would definitely not be able to pull it off. So no, well, well, that's the whole point. We yeah. couldn't pull it off. We're busy just yakking away all the I time. Know, and uh, that's why we have the best producers in the world. I feel so blessed to have the producers that we have. So uh, thank you. Anthony um, Blaze is saying that the, the it's up on Merch Purge for pre-orders. So Oh, oh that's go. good to know. I'm going to head over there right now. And that's a good moment uh, to plug Canary Pr- Cry Merch Purge. Um, again, Gons and I do not run it, but it is the place to get all your Canary Cry merch. And uh, it's got, oh my gosh, I've lost control of my VR hand. I can't. Get okay. over I'm, to the merch perch. I'm, I'm um, showing it on screen here. There it is. But it's pre-sale. There you go. Put together by producer Dust, and he uh, is a champion. And all the Canary Cry merch over there is sold at cost to make it the most affordable um, for our dear Canarians. And uh, you have an opportunity to tip the webmaster, which please do, because he spends his own money running this thing. Um, you can tip the artist or you can tip Gons and I. So head over to Canary Cry Merch Perch to pre-order your 2021 Canary Cry calendar. And ooh, 20 bucks. Yeah. What an af- what a deal. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, okay. 20 bucks. Great. Okay, head over there. Do it, folks. You don't want to miss out on the Canary Cry calendar 2021. Hopefully, we'll actually need a calendar in 2021. We can plan ahead for things. Yes. So thank okay. you for that. Let's uh, uh, land the plane. We got to run through these stories very quickly, but we're going to come out of the break here. Yes, it's wake up time. Hey, y'all, wake up. Okay. Speaking of running like the wind, um, let's hit this first story over at Equus Magazine. <laughs> I never thought. Christopher. <laughs> Never thought we would be bringing a story from EquusMagazine.com. Uh, it's your uh, best magazine for all your horse-related news. <laughs> um, and the art, the headline is first use of CRISPR in horse embryo. It has begun. Horse racing will never be the same. Argentine researchers have successfully edited the genes in an equine embryo, raising the possibility of producing horses with custom-designed DNA. Quote, to our knowledge, they wrote in the paper announcing their work, edited horse embryos had not been reported until now. Not been reported, which means they may have existed before. Well, they didn't know. It could have existed. The Chinese have been doing a lot of stuff we don't know about. But working at Chiron Biotech SA and Flenny, a nonprofit neuroscience research organization, the researchers utilized a technique called clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats or CRISPR to make genetic alterations in cells that were then used to generate edited cloned embryos. Then they do some explanation of CRISPR. We all are aware of CRISPR. Um, let's see. Oh, man. I had some stuff highlighted and I lost it. Mm. Oh. Anyways, they're, uh, the, horse, the horses will never be the same. We're going to yes. have genetically modified horses. Uh, so there you go. The, the Kentucky Derby better start considering rules around genetically modified horses. Well, uh, uh, the one thing I will say here, the only biblical past part about this is Revelation 917. And, uh, and it talks about the horses. Uh, this is, again, verse 17, Revelation 9. 
I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They were wore breastplates, the color of fire and sapphire and sulfur. The heads of the horses were like lions' heads, mm. and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. Mm. So uh, that sounds like genetically for that. Yeah, there's <laughs> sounds like a genetically altered horse. So it, it begins, <laughs> folks. The days of Noah are here. Ooh, it's only a matter of time until Pegasus runs in the Kentucky Derby or flies. Ooh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can rant about this type of thing all day, but not to be outdone. International Business Times dot SG scientists propose genetically engineered trees to fight climate change. Oh, great. Yeah. Genetically engineered trees can grow faster and become disease resistant, while such plants can also produce more oxygen while taking in more carbon dioxide. And you know what this reminded me of? Have you seen Mm -hmm. or read the Lorax? Oh, yeah. I've listened to the Lorax on a Skype call with you (laughs) while your adorable samurai baby was watching the Lorax in the background. Yes. But uh, the whole premise behind the Lorax is they have fake trees and they sell oxygen to the the uh, citizens of Thneedville. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of moving in that direction. Fake robot trees. And uh, if you want these genetically engineered trees you to fight climate change, you will have to pay in carbon taxes. And uh, yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. let, let the trees grow because, uh, you know, the, the evil guy there, O'Hare figured out how to sell air to people. Uh, something yeah, that's I think free. this is uh, I think we're going to have some ants running around, <laughs> you know, ants. Yeah. Yeah. Walking trees. Yes. From like different from, fantasy uh, things like Lord, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, again, uh, genetically modified horses and their counterpart, genetically modified trees. This is a, uh, <laughs> Turning into quite the thing here. Uh, I didn't know horses and trees were were counterparts. Yes, now they are. Oh, they good. They weren't before, but now with genetic engineering, they can they can be friends. Oh, good. Uh, and and plot right. our demise. And uh, one last quick story <laughs> As here. If they weren't already. Yeah, I know, but this is uh it's it's really happening now. One more story here. Okay. Welcome to One last story here coming from Bloomberg.com. Headline, has China mastered weather modification? Should we worry? Last month, 16, quote, artificial rain enhancement rockets were launched off the back of a pickup truck 300 miles south of Beijing. The operation, ordered up by Zhuye County Meteorological Bureau in response to a local drought, was reportedly a success. Over the next 24 hours, the county received more than two inches of rain that, according to local officials, alleviated the drought, lowered the risk of forest fires, and improved air quality. Sounds like something out of a cartoon, but for decades, China has been home to one of the world's most advanced weather modification programs. Generally, its goals have been modest, more rain in arid places, less field-destroying hail, and sunny days for big national events. But that modesty is starting to give way. Earlier this month, China announced plans to expand its rainmaking capabilities to cover nearly 60% of the country by 2025. 
Details are sketchy, but fears are rising about the potential military uses of these capabilities and their effects on an already changing climate. For China and the world, these concerns need to be addressed soon. Humans have dreamed of controlling the weather for millennial, millennia, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's then it just goes into a history of weather modification. Did, did you want that? No, because I yeah. think most of our listeners are well aware. And this is yes. an article you can share with friends and family and say, I tried to tell you. That's right. As uh, as a couple of guys that would be um, deemed as conspiracy theorists, we've been talking about the prevalence of weather modification, even through the denials of governments around the world for many years. And we stand on the shoulders of giants in that respect. Um, but here we go. Mainstream story. Weather modification is... Uh, is a common practice and will become even more common trying to control the weather for 60% of China by 2025. That is way too much and way too soon. <laughs> and notice how everything is China. Yeah. Super soldiers. Oh, better watch out those Chinese super soldiers. Oh, weather modification. Better watch out for those Chinese weather modifiers as if we haven't had our own super soldiers and weather modification right here right, in the United States right. for centuries, not centuries, maybe decades. I mean, come on, man. I know. Come on, man. It's a, uh, I'm just, I have no context to play this. The way, the true path to life. <laughs> All right. I'll give you context. For those, <laughs> those know, those who know, uh, Gons has been watching The Mandalorian, and he's eagerly waiting for me to finish The Mandalorian so we can talk about it. But you've spent uh, what is this? Been a month project <laughs> trying to get know. the the sound clips to put together. The Mandalorian, to hear the he, Mandalorian quoting scripture. He never says truth. Uh huh. For anybody that cares, what a coincidence. He never says truth. But he does say the way, obviously. It kind of sounds like you put it together, though. What are you talking about? The way, the true path to life. It's a true path. It's but close, yeah, enough. close, close yeah. enough. So there you go. Who says you can't find Jesus in the Mandalorian? <laughs> or the artificial Christ. Yeah. Play it again. Let me hear it. The way, the true path to life. Yep. That's the artificial Christ right there. Yep. All right. All right. Y'all done? Did we do it? I'm done. Yes. Got to get out of here. Let's get out of here. We got to get Gons home, folks. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Now, just to give you um, a little bit of an update on our Christmas schedule, we will be doing a show on Wednesday early, early in the day. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So plan on tuning in early on Wednesday. We'll not be doing a show on Friday uh, the 25th, which is for some of you out there, Christmas Day. Um, and then are we, are we giving away personal information here, Gons? Uh, well, we don't have to give away all the personal information. What's well, up to you? Well, my uh, wife is uh, having a surgery done on Monday next week, mm-hmm. and she'll be uh, basically- That's the 28th. 28th, yeah. So I'm going to be out of commission for the rest of the year after that. So we will try to do a show on Sunday the 27th and uh, that'll be the last show of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll try to, if all goes well, we will have a winner of the knife competition by then. And yes. we'll, uh, we'll announce that and stuff, but it's a, uh, 
yeah, it's not anything uh, serious with the surgery. So, but we thank you for your prayers and uh, we appreciate that. But um, yeah. yeah, it's not anything crazy. So, She's not, she doesn't have anything, you know, bad going on, but uh, yes, she is going to go to surgery on Monday. And so is I Flippy should probably doing the surgery. Home. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Flippy is ready for that kind of action. Yeah. So there you go. That's the schedule, folks. Early on Wednesday, and then uh, we'll we'll we will be doing our uh, very best job to do a show on the twenty seventh. That's a Sunday, and then after that, we will see you in twenty twenty one. So uh, thank you very much, everybody, for um, listening to this show. What was I going to say? Oh, and the knife. Uh, uh, the Canary Cry, what, we need a cool name for it. Bla- canary jab Cry bl- Blade. Slash. Oh, jab. <laughs> the, the jab drawing. The jab um, drawing. <laughs> people are going to think we're raffling, raffling vaccines. vaccines. Um, anyways, the if you want to um, enter the drawing for the custom-made Canary Cry knife, uh, I think we will be announcing, we'll do the drawing on twenty on the 27th. So you've got six days, well, seven, one, two, three, four, seven days, including today, um, to post as many posts as you can. Enter the drawing as much as you want. <clears throat> and uh, just uh, link uh, some sort of link to Canary Cry material. You can even do Canary Cry radio episodes, I think. We should open it up to Canary Cry radio episodes. Sure. So share an episode of Canary Cry News Talk or Canary Cry Radio. Hashtag Canary Cry News Talk um, or Canary Cry Radio, I guess. And then uh, we will count them all up. We'll be fervently collecting all those things. Uh, if you want to double make sure that your drawing gets counted, uh, after you do your posts, send an email with links to all your posts. That will absolutely make sure you get counted. Otherwise, we have to count them through the hashtag. So don't forget the hashtag. Hashtag Canary Cry News Talk. Um, and that'll be fun. So we'll do that on the 27th. But our next show, <clears throat> like I said, is Wednesday, uh, December 23rd. So we will see you there. Turn on notifications. Put it on your calendar. We will see you there n- on uh, Wednesday. Now, you can become a producer of the show. This is a tough time of year. We understand. But if you are able and you feel uh, led by the spirit to become a producer of the show, we very much uh, are still in need of producers uh, every episode. So thank you very much. You can head over to patreon.com slash ccnt or canary cry news to, uh, nope canary cry radio at oh my gosh canary um, my voice is completely leaving and it's distracting me canary cry radio.com slash support canary cry radio.com slash support that's right canarycryradio.com slash support thank you very much to our producers of this show episode 278 that are producers Saul Mark John Amanda and of course thank you to our musicians and artists Martin 
Allie, Olivia, Mark, and Incarnate Unlimited. And thank you to Jade Bouncerson for those timestamps over on YouTube. Now, you can also become a producer of the show by sending in art. That's right. Any show-related art, send it to canarycryradio at gmail.com. We'll get you on Wednesday's show. Uh, That also goes for jingles. If you're a musician, want to create jingles or songs, send that to canarycryradio at gmail.com as well now there's you don't got to do any of that either to help the show you can leave ratings and reviews uh very helpful just uh, search apple podcast canary cry news talk leave a rating and a review very helpful um or you got friends you got family and they're all waking up things are too squirrely they're waking up to the fact that the world is not what it seems and you can help them out by sending them an episode to canary cry news talk just send it right to them and tell them this is what you need in your life and uh they will be very happy and we'll be happy to uh, become a part of that journey of theirs. And if you need any other instructions, here's what you do. You walk right up to them, you grab them by the cage, and then you shake it. The end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. Hey, stop that! Don't ever silence me! I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy! Leave the bird alone! Never! Rattle a few cages! The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. That's right, just ask Noah. And remember, at the end of the show here, we'll be playing the Canary Cry mixtape. Stick around for that. And last chance, if you haven't done it yet, please smash that like button. It helps out a lot. Um, other than that, Gons, any last words? Nope, I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening. God bless all of you and appreciate your presence here on the show. Okay. All right, everybody. That's it. Make sure to tune in Wednesday, December 23rd for the next episode of Canary Cry News Talk. But until then, think outside the cage. It will kill. I want to rattle a few cages. I want to rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati.
Fun fact, I believe it was uh, another fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, another fun fact. Brings me back to my screamo days. Yeah.
don't 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 even get me started on bidets, man. But 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 bidets, man. Bidets, man. I'm 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 telling you, you are living the life, man. Bidets, man. Humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and